You're thinking one hung low. No, no, no. He's a colon pirate. <laughs> a poo pusher. Low rider. Poo pusher. He's no gas now. A poop pusher. He's a he's a, he's a shirt lifter. Poo pusher, real yes. good. A shirt yeah. lifter. He's a brow dropper for a sure. Scroll, yeah. A squirrel beaker. A monkey slinger. A turd burglar. <laughs> a poo pusher. <laughs> hey there, welcome to motorcycles and misfit. Coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. Hey everyone! Wow, we are we are in the summer. Crazy from the heat. We are in the summer. When it gets hot here, we get loopy. We have we have no air conditioning in our homes. Fruit loopy. Sealed in here. But hey, it's it's again. It's just, I think every week that goes by, I just feel even more like charged about like getting through this tough last year and having good days and good weeks they just keep getting better and better and better more better and good good days and in the garage gooder gooder days and getting stuff done i properly rebuilt a carburetor today good girl as opposed to nice. the last eight times i pulled it apart and uh, just, just move stuff move around. Stuff around. Yeah, yeah, I know. But it's it's been it's been good. I'll get to that. But let's first start with who is in the room. Hey everyone, this is Eliza, and I am going to be playing the role of Long Duck Fong tonight. <laughs> in the uh, reading of Andy can send your complaints to. Oh, it's the bagler! I just saw the bagler. <clears throat> that makes Eliza yeah. our, our stand-in exotic. Uh, <clears throat> playing the part of. Uh, Jake, the hot guy. It's Scott. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but thank you anyway. Scott from Alameda. (laughs) You can't pull that one off, huh? I don't know, Dad Bod. You know. Playing the annoying little brother. It's Stumpy John. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Oh, I have nothing to say. Yes, I'm annoying, and I'm Stumpy. Oh, we're filling the roles. There we go. Now, let's see. There's a few roles uh, to fill. Let's see. Oh, I know. Playing the uh, the the drunk uh, fiancé of the older sister. Fuck. It's Naked Jim. Hey, hey, with one broken heel. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me sling this thing at you. Hey, what's up, peeps? I was in San Francisco this weekend. Quickly, it's an awesome city. If you've been looking for a reason to go to San Francisco, do it. Things are opening yeah. up, and it's a hoot. And I met a lovely scooterist, Bagel, at an oh, Italian place. Yes. I don't know if she's listening. Nice. I'm sorry I've got your name, but it was great. So, yeah, right on. Nice. Excellent. Playing the role of Farmer Ted, the underwear collector, it's award-winning Mike. I'm Molly Ringwald. <laughs> that's a yeah. 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 It's a different that's Molly. Your Molly Ring Molly Ringworm. Yeah, don't tell me I'm not. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I can Mike, be who I want to be. Mike, this is your first time in the studio in forever. Yeah, you guys it's, get a It's nice because we can lock eyes and, and I can say, Don't look at me when I'm inside of you. Oh yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> It's going to smell like colon when we're done. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what. Y'all make me want to put my mask back on here. You should. It started smelling like colon in here, man. Yeah. Who was that anyway? Can't blame it on the it, dog. It anymore. wasn't me. <laughs> say for the record. All right. And playing the role of the visiting grandma who's hard of hearing. It's Miss Emma. Hey. Hello. <laughs> uh, actually, playing, 
playing the role of the old woman who's been eating Indian food. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Lamb Vindapoo. Mm. Yes, exactly. Lamb Windy Poo, which is the best food ever, and everyone should eat it every day. And gin. You know, I am on the lamb vindaloo and gin diet, and it's working out very well for me. Both served hot. Yes, exactly. No, you know what? I'm a Brit. We always drink our alcohol at room temperature. Because mm. it goes down easier, you see. And then, because there's a one person left who gets to pick whichever role he wants. Bagel, who do you want to be? I would be the geek. <laughs> oh, played by John Cusack. Anthony Michael Hall. Oh, that was Farmer Ted. What about the principal? Who's the oh. principal? Uh, that's well, that's Liza. Club. That's got to be Liza. That's oh, Breakfast Club. club. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. Good, good. Well, you can be all the geeks. You're right. You can be yep. Anthony Michael Hall. Well, hey, everyone. <laughs> um, oh, so much going on. We had a good day. I, yes. As I said, I actually ordered a carb kit and rebuilt the carburetor. I've yet to test it. Oh, that'll be fine. This the Kawasaki? Yeah, the KZ400, but I had it running goodish. It just was leaking from places. And I needed to get some of like a, a float bowl gasket. Well, buying just a float bowl gasket, it's not much more to get an entire kit. So I got the entire kit. I was a little worried um, because it came with a bunch of parts that I couldn't. Those are just suggestions. I'm like, I, 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 if you can see through the hole, it stays. Well, at first, I'm like, are there more jets in this thing? I'm looking all over, but it came with two different needles of different lengths. So I'm like, wait a minute, there's only one needle. So I asked Emma, like, what's up? Why do I have two different needles? She's oh, it, they put a whole bunch of parts in there for different bikes. Hmm. Oh. Because, look, okay. that hmm. carburetor kit um, isn't just for yeah. a KZ400. It's for any other bike that happened to have those Kahin solid slide carburetors on it yeah. so you know this so it's cheaper to throw more jets yeah, in there to have more skew sitting on a shelf I Univer guess. universal kit um but i was a little bit slow moving today Ooh. yes you've Be been dct too much indian food dct <laughs> well you know i don't want to uh I don't want to poo-poo the DCT, as John is so willing to do. <laughs> well, as uh -oh. a champion mm -hmm. for it so you, many times in the past, you don't want to end up with egg on your face, do you, like? I think we can agree with any technology. There's going to be pros and cons. I discovered a con. Yes. Is all. Pretty big. That's so that truck, uh, too. Uh -oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was something so stupid and so simple, just pulling out of the driveway and turning right. But there was a line of cars, as there is on weekends, because there's traffic, beach traffic. So I was going to just pull sharp right into the bike lane and go up to the light to make a turn. But when I started to pull out of the driveway, the bike surged a little bit faster than I thought, because you can't feather the clutch. You just twist Ooh. the throttle, and it surged forward a little more than I was ready to do. And as I was making the turn, I ran into a truck. Oh, she did. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Poor truck. Oh, you were there. You <laughs> I made a lot of noise. I heard you scared the truck off. <laughs> the guy saw you. He was like, I'm out of here. Well, and the thing is, I was looking on the bike for the damage to the bike. <clears throat> there is none because I hit the truck. My leg took all the damage. Uh, my knee hit the, hit the taillight and broke it, shattered it. And then my lower leg got sandwiched between the bike and the motor and bounced me right over and threw me onto the sidewalk 
where I got another nice bruise on the other leg where I got body slammed. And you found out Ouch. the other disadvantage of the Africa twin. It's quite a long way down, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's like falling off. Yeah, it's like falling off a two-story oh, building. Especially into the gutter. Yeah. I hate seeing my friends crash. It's it's almost worse than crashing yourself. And I was riding with uh, John and Tad, and to their credit, they both like came rushing up alarmed. I've seen that look on Jim's face enough times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you make the announcement as you were going, or did it happen too fast? I was on comms with him, yeah. and I had a camera on, on my handlebars on my face, so I have it all. Oh, the, fun. That's yeah. what I heard. And then yeah. she was on her ground like a little beetle bug going, <laughs> Pin, Pinned underneath the yeah. bike, but my boots did the job. I run up, and she's there like, don't worry about me. Go stop him, because the truck was trying to move forward, so I had to run up there and tell him. Yeah, guys, he ah. kept moving. He kept going. I'm like, yeah, I want to make sure he knows i hit yeah, him see that's where you fucked up <laughs> right there that's when you realized i fucked up you just let him go you know what i mean so, didn't know. Uh, the gear worked though because i when i heard you went like ended up somewhere near the curb i was like "Ooh, that could be bad yeah i, I bounced. Mean, you got some bruises and stuff but yeah i, I bounced onto the curb well could, then, it, could we have a little history lesson about your knees anyway because i mean your knees are a great long-running subject on misfits this ties into yeah. T2. Well, and the funny thing is, I was okay. I mean, I got the wind knocked out of me, but I knew right away, I'm okay, right? Uh, and my leg was pinned. I'm like, you guys take your time. Don't hurt yourself. Lift up the bike. I'll get out. Once I'm out, I'm sitting on the sidewalk. Now's where the fun begins. This is now the hard part. I cannot get on my knees or lift myself from my knees. So I'm basically... On the ground, straight-legged. I'm like, now you guys got to get me up. <laughs> this is the hard part. You thought picking the bike up was hard? No, getting me up. <laughs> they just roll you down to a handicap ramp? Liza Saka Spuds Miller. <laughs> yeah, so oh, I survived. And the bike survived. All the things did their job. I snapped the turn signal, but I just glued it and taped it back on. In true supermotos. Well, all the, uh, all the, the steering was all tweaked and jacked and what'd you do just yeah loosen i mean everything John, up and yeah you saw or you saw it too right yeah. Tree, yeah. it was yeah. off by like four or five inches yeah. it was like mm. whack it was the risers right or what did it oh. end up being but i loosened the bolt on the risers so on my africa twin opposed to jim's it comes with extra tall risers that are about four inches four or five inches tall and rubber mounted it is very easy to get them jacked mm. and have the whole handlebars turning sideways, you know, like 30 right. degrees or something. It's crazy. Yeah, but you just unloosened, right? Unloosened everything it, and it went bang. Knocked it back. Everything's good. I took I took all the damage. <laughs> you know, we always say, like, when someone gets in an accident, but how's the bike? And yeah, I'm like, yeah, I took, I, fortunately, I took all the damage and the bike's okay. It's a dirt bike. <clears throat> it is a dirt bike. A big bike. dirt bike. I, yeah. I, I did crash like that. In, well, not like that, but in... Um, a couple of years ago on Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. It was almost the same thing. Well, actually, it was a little bit different, but I, I hit Didn't the back. Did someone stop short or something? Yeah, and I, I just clipped them, but I hit their, I smashed their um, brick light. Was that when you had those fucking levers with that the was, knife yeah. blades? That was exactly. <laughs> the guillotine was, oh, levers. Yeah, but they didn't do it. Did that, that's not, what, that's not what, what happened, though. I mean, that's not the issue, really. The issue is that, yeah, I, I was going too fast, and I hit them, right. yeah. and then I just fell, like, kind of the side, but... Um, I also had a crash in Forest Hills a couple weeks ago that was like, I, was, I saw your bruise. It reminded me of the same thing because I had one on my leg. 
And I don't even know where it came from, but I... I Handlebar, probably? Yeah, so I, I don't even really remember what happened, but I smashed my head pretty good. And, like, I was, like, the last one, so I was just, like... My first instinct was, like, all right, just get up, let's go, you know what I mean? But then I was, like, wait a second. Like, that was pretty hard. I should probably just, like, chill for a second, and then... And you you, you banged your head? Yeah. yeah. It, I didn't go unconscious or anything, but, yeah, but I mean, still, it was... Yeah, that's a good time know, to take a break. Some stars, I had the taste in my mouth, and I was like, oh, damn. Like, Oh, yeah. But I went to pop up right away and, like, get the bike and, like, get back on trail, but I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm, like, almost 40 years old. Like, right. <laughs> like um, just chill for a minute and, yeah, like, no sympathy reassess, yeah. you know what I mean? And, you know, um, these are the first crash reports we've had for a long time. Do you remember, a couple of years yeah. ago, we actually had listeners writing in saying... Guys, you gotta stop crashing. That was Henry. Yeah, no. Yeah. He threw the that curve. Was, that threw was the when. Curve. That and was Charlie. when. Um, and me, when I destroyed the prototype uh, Trident. Yeah. So, you know, there was a time when we were crashing a lot. So, you've let us down, Liza. Hey, I'm sorry. I we, don't think we I did because here's the deal. Free streak. Did hey John? I, cra- I crashed four times at Hollister last week. Well, that doesn't count. <laughs> John, did it stop our our trip? No, we went right back out again. I just went, I just pushed that bike back, pulled out another one. And it was I bet it was very entertaining for all the people in the cars watching and the pedestrians. Yeah, usually oh, people were, are like, uh, yeah. "Whoa!" Yeah, they exactly just freak. No, right? I no, I just I got right back on and said, let's go. I think you guys were more in shock of everything. Oh, yeah. I just kind of like, I was like, we're done for today. But I tell you no. what, Liza, mm. I, I bet you were in pain this morning. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Now, but it's all muscles. So. Yeah. Um, hey, I got an announcement. It's a good an one. An announcement? It's an announcement. Can I do it in my best BBC voice? Uh, the announcement? Yes. Do you know what it is? No, but you can show me because it's <laughs> on a piece of paper. Okay. Because we have uh, our sponsor is back. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you walked into that one, didn't you? No, <laughs> stop. Okay. One o'clock. <laughs> Does one's clutch, Jim? Now I'm not going to tell you again. <laughs> you, f- you fucking saucer. <laughs> Does one's clutch need adjustment? Have you been putting off installing those new handlebars because you're not sure about wiring? Brake pads need changing? Fix Mahog can help. They have an amazing offer. Sign up for Fix Mahog premium membership with this exclusive Motorcycles and Misfits deal and get a full year of their premium membership for only... Three dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars. Wait just one moment. That's ninety-six percent of the normal price. Go visit Stop it. Wasn't me. Was not me. Go visit <laughs> fixmyhog forward slash misfits to take advantage of this great offer. The discount will be automatically applied at the checkout. Join a community of passionate riders who are committed to mastering their wrenching skills. Premium membership will get you access to hundreds of full-length instructional videos led by Master... No, oh, I read that wrong. Led by Master Harley-Davidson technicians. Their videos are focused on helping you develop new wrenching techniques and getting you inspired to complete new projects. Sign up for Fix My Hog 
premium membership now for just three dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars for the entire year at <laughs> capital G O dot fix my hog capital F capital M capital G dot com forward slash misfits go fix my hog dot com forward slash misfits what an absolutely splendid offer Mikey I know like you're the only Harley owner in the room uh, have you signed up for this it's actually really cool are you familiar with this fix my hog no I have recycle garage and YouTube um, well, basically, so you know how we go to YouTube to look for videos? Yeah. So Fix My Hog has been making videos, and they specialize in, in Harleys. They've been making videos for years now. Oh, I think so they had about 20 years, didn't Quite they? a library of videos to watch. I think I've watched it before. Is guy have like a really strong accent, like an East Coast accent, uh, and he's a bit there's older. There's a, a bunch of different people. Huh? I've right. seen a Fix My I think I've seen one. But it's actually really cool, and we talked about this, how this is kind of the next generation of like... Rather than manuals, and if you don't have a recycled garage, a uh, place like fixmyhog.com, and for three bucks you get oh, access you for a wrong. year to all of their videos. Now, look. Do, do you think they have, like, like does, it, does that, what does that replace, though? I mean, like, because I like custom stuff, right? But, like, is that really good if you, like, crack your primary and so they go through the whole, like, you no, know, they, get a gasket, they, get oil, do that? Or is it like, oh, cool, you want to you wanna take your primary off and put a belt drive on? Right. Like, no, the, I think they do stuff? everything. They do oh, everything, cool. and they even do the AMF stuff, you know. I think the cameras are steam-powered for the AMF oh, stuff, because really? it's historical, Yeah, they started it? out doing DVDs that you yes. could buy. Yeah, laser discs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so um, it's really cool. <laughs> so thanks, Fix My Hog, for coming back on as a sponsor. Um, yeah. Bagel, what have you been up to? Well, um, I am making plans to come out to Vintage Motorcycle Days. All right. Oh, what? That's awesome. Yep, yep. <clears throat> I just got my vacation approved, and I'm heading out there to uh, meet up with you all. Oh, excellent. So let's yep. see. Let's get a roll call of who's going. Uh, I'm wait, going. Wait, wait, wait. I have a question. Why does Bagel's hair look like Ric Flair from WWF? <laughs> because I haven't cut it since before yeah, yeah. COVID. Oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Looks like yes. a Viking of God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes, and, and he's he's got a girlfriend now, so he doesn't have to. No, there you go. <laughs> Nailed it. She probably likes to play with it, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they play a little game called My Pretty Pony. Mm. Oh my <laughs> yeah. God! Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice, um, nice horsey. So, who else is going to AMA Vintage Days? I'm going. Hey, anyone else in the room going? Now, look, I know what I know what you're trying to do, Liza. And the fact of the matter is, and yes, I will announce it right now. Unless a miracle happens, I will not be going to Vintage Days. No. I've just opened a motorcycle shop. I have. What are you doing, Liza? (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. That's just the Vindaloo talking. Um, No, I've I've got a couple of quite high-dollar bikes in that I have to get fixed for the clients. It's as simple as that. Work first, darling. It's all very well for you and Philippe, who are established in your careers. But I'm just starting out. And it does break my heart, but it is what it is. Um, Hmm. I'm very, very sorry. I may, I mean, I may at the last minute change my mind and just dash out. But that's more unlikely than likely. So um, to everyone who's going to be disappointed, I am desperately sorry. But how many days do you guys, uh, like how long is the whole trip? 
Uh, we're roughly. taking the red eye Wednesday night. We'll be going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, flying home Monday. What are you doing about bikes there? Phil's hooking us up. Are you going to buy anything while you're there? Likely. <laughs> so how are you going to get bikes back? Is I, we haven't figured yeah. that out yet. <laughs> yeah. And you see, the thing is, Mike, and the, I do feel guilty, but what was a couple of day trip for me is now Thursday gone, Friday gone, Saturday gone, and Monday gone. So that's like four, four that's nearly a full working week. And at this stage, well, do you, I mean, do you open shop- a tattoo parlor or a motorcycle shop? What the hell's the matter? You work. Well, <laughs> you should really talk to your boss about that. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, well, I, I tried to get a pay raise out of her, and she's <laughs> turning a deaf ear on it. But I have quite demanding clients, mm. you know, because they're poshos, <clears throat> and poshos <laughs> don't like delays. Well, I will say one of the reasons I'm going, besides the live podcast that we'll be doing with the Cleveland Moto guys, um, I'm going to be doing Rev Sisters Film Festival, be playing films in the one of the, the tents. There's going to have a row of tents that are like the AMA Hall of Fame Museum and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to be playing films. One of the films, I'm so excited about so many of them. If you've watched any of the Rev Sisters Film Festivals, I'm kind of cherry picking some of my favorites from them. But, and, and, and Jim, I know you'll be stoked about this. One of the films, one of my favorites, is the John Penton story. Good one. Yep. And I'm told that John Penton will be there. Oh, oh cool. As will wow. the filmmaker, Todd Huffman. And probably a whole bunch of the Penton clan. Oh, that yeah. will be rad. Yeah. That's incredible. So the Pentons will be there, and the filmmaker. I'm like, what? So are you playing into their theme? Is it on any Sunday theme that they're doing? So is your film festival playing into that? Uh, only in that. I mean, that is the best film of all time. Yeah. But um, and they're going to be playing it Saturday night there, and they're bringing in artifacts from the film. Mm-hmm. I think Martin Lowell Steve sending McQueen's his like bike. Ashes, as they kept bringing out. Uh, no, I think they got his underwear. Oh, that's even better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you pay extra, you can sniff it. Ooh. I have no comment. <laughs> <laughs> smells like mothballs and sure. Come on, you point. would. You? I kind of would. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, and Emma. We have... Uh, oh. Yes, darling. We have a guest coming in. Yes. So you're going to have to save your story, but remind me, I want to hear about your guest in the bathroom. Oh, yes. But first, the continuing we're get... The continuing saga of Emma and the bathrooms at Mototown. <laughs> oh, my. The soap opera. It's a soap opera bagel. But first, I wanted everyone to say hi to our guest tonight. It's Carmen Gentile. Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Oh, right on. Hey, Carmen. Hey. What's going on, folks? How are you doing? Hey. hey. Doing hey. great. Hello, Hopefully Carmen. Hopefully you can see it's, everyone. It's yeah. cool. I can see everyone. It's right great on. to see you again. Yeah. See if you can yeah. class the place up a little bit for us, Carmen. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. The funny thing is, this is hysterical. This is the one angle. The, the, there's exactly just one angle in my home right now where it does not look like a tornado hit it. And I have found that <laughs> angle for this shot. Yes. Because we just got off the road after like three weeks of riding around and there is still gear all over the floor, right out of focus, right back here. There's a, right behind my back is just a pile of things. Like three weeks of mail. I just don't, you know, now, um, Carmen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get straight down to the nitty gritty, darling, because you have been a guest on our show before and very, very well received. You were one of our most popular guests. 
However, Get out of here. there are people who are watching this video right now, and this is solely for the people who are watching the video. Really doesn't sure. matter if you're listening. Who are like, why is he wearing an eye patch? Carmen, <laughs> in less than two minutes, tell everyone why you are wearing an eye patch. I can even make it quicker than that. Fantastic. Here's the elevator version. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the sixth floor elevator version. In 2010, I was an embedded reporter with USA Today and CBS News working in eastern Afghanistan. I was embedded with U.S. forces there, not far from the Pakistani border. And we were walking through a, a very remote village one day, um, not uh, anywhere near you know civilization as, as we well know it. It's a small, very... Uh, tucked away little place in a corner of Afghanistan. And um, while walking through this small village, I heard a loud whooshing sound from behind me and I turned around and about 50 yards down the road, there was a man shouldering a rocket propelled grenade launcher. Folks familiar with that who play mm -hmm. Call of Duty? Um, uh, that hit me in the, the, he had fired it and the ordinance actually hit me right in the face, like oh, wow. smack right here. Um, and it, miraculously did not detonate but it did blind me in this eye and uh crush all these bones around my orbital socket uh i had numerous uh uh surgeries and months of recovery and then i went back to to resuming my work on as a frontline reporter uh, i'm sorry the, the two story, minutes is probably up. in 45 <laughs> seconds <laughs> but you know truthfully carmen if we total up the entirety of the world's population who have sure. been shot in the face by an sure. RPG <laughs> and is still able to talk to us. I'm sure that list is one. And you're yeah. in. Yeah. That's the, I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah. I am the, the wow. trillion to one survivor. Uh, I've always been asked if I do, in fact, play the lottery or have any other good fortune in other facets of my life. And unfortunately, right. now that's not the case. Yeah, not you're like, I already did play the lottery. <laughs> so, I yeah, I get, I get no more than this. And in fact, just a reminder for people, if you want to go back and listen to the episode you were on, you wrote a book called Blindsided by the Taliban. And That's correct. Then uh, you went back in, you went back into uh, to doing journalism not long after that. I mean, that's real biker shit. But the <laughs> update, the update. That's the, that's the, that's the uh, I will cherish that compliment. The one I will cherish the most. <laughs> when people talked about, shit, about the stupidity it takes to go back to, to frontline hey, reporting man. after getting shot in the head with an RPG. The, calling it biker is you know, right on the money. Is, <laughs> so True biker shit. I want to know. So there is an update to Blindsided with the Taliban. Is there any news you can share with us about that? <clears throat> Um, you know, the, there were film rights that were sold, yes. um, before the pandemic and somebody wrote a script for it. Uh, since everything has been shut down, a lot of productions, I have mm -hmm. no idea where it is in that, in, uh, uh, where they are in development right now. And, uh, however, I am working on an audio version of the book that I oh, hope to oh. have ready by sometime later this year. That's okay, nice. so my question... That I want to read myself, because that's the way I've always right. wanted to do it. But yeah. as far as the film goes, yeah. Carmen, I mean, who do you see playing you? Is it like Brad Pitt? Is <laughs> you it know what? I'm terrible Chuck Norris? Yes. It's got to be Tom Cruise, I think Tom Cruise. I think stuck my, the way in which I'm stuck in my perpetual adolescence, Ferrell. I can only think 
of uh, uh, action stars or comedic stars from like the 80s or maybe the early <laughs> 90s. I couldn't even tell you. Kurt yeah, I'm so woefully I'm thinking Tom inept. Selleck, actually. Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, like a Tom Selleck. <laughs> MacGyver. I know, I know, no, I know, yeah, I, I mean, him. you know, MacGyver. Whoever, who played <laughs> MacGyver? Who was that? Uh, uh, Michael, uh, Michael Dean's uh, something or other. Michael yeah, well, Dean, there you go. What was that guy's name? Yeah, he's like seventy years old now, but he look, I'm sure he looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm sure too. Off. Yeah, the Mac- MacGyver yeah. shit. But yeah. so, yeah. It, really, to sum up, if somebody's listening to this and watching it, and who is this guy? He's fucking badass. That's who he is, and that's all Seriously, you need to know. Um, it, you would be so surprised in in the many ways in which I'm not badass. <laughs> in for well, example, in, uh, in our <laughs> world, you are. So don't blow it, Buster. Okay. We don't, you know, okay, fine. we I don't want to. We don't want to know about you treading on a Lego and going ah. <laughs> oh, for sure, absolutely. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, you full welling up of the eyes. <laughs> you, you have stayed busy, and yeah. uh, I know we've stayed in touch over the years and mm-hmm. working out different things. Um, but you have this new project you're working on. That's why you're on here to talk about it. You sure. just mentioned you got back from a trip. So can you tell everyone what you've been doing and explain what post-industrial is? Sure. We'll do. Um, so I have always been trying to figure out how I can marry the two things I love to do the most, which is nice. report and tell stories and ride motorcycles. So a few years back, uh, I decided that I would give it a a real shot trying to to combine these two things. I did a couple of stories where I was riding motorcycles in Iraq while covering the war there. And this was back in 2017 and 2018. And then um, I decided that I was going to be turning more of my attention to the U.S. because I saw how dramatically things were changing after the 2016 election Mm -hmm. and subsequently. So I've been spending a lot more time... uh, in the U.S. and I have a, a publication that I started my myself. I'm the founder of. It's called Post Industrial, and we it's a print magazine, digital uh, podcast network, and video. And what we do is we just focus on the Rust Belt and Appalachia, and that's yeah. you know post industrial America as we call it. Um, the reason we did this was because we saw a lot of um, what was happening in American politics was happening. Uh, most dramatically in in these two regions, uh, which share so much in common. Like, for for example, they're both the industrial backbone of America for many decades, and Mm -hmm. that they've seen a noticeable collapse in recent years that has led to um, what we see as widespread unemployment. We've seen uh, a great deal of opioid addiction in these two regions. We've seen a, a sense of hopelessness and despair that has led to uh, a radicalization of certain segments of the society that was most recently manifest at the January 6th Capitol coup attempt, right. where a lot of people from these two regions uh, came on, came, uh, you know, came to the Capitol looking to disrupt the democratic process. So um, what we just came back, long story short, what we just came back from, um, you know, things opening up uh, vis-a-vis COVID uh, we've been planning this for quite some time. Uh, myself and my good friend and colleague, Jason Motlaw, who has a career very similar to mine. He writes for Rolling Stone. He writes for National Geographic. Check him out. He's really, really, really talented and interesting. The two of us came together and decided we were going to do this ride 
um, starting in Pittsburgh and riding through Ohio, Kentucky, and uh, West Virginia, just like a 1500 mile loop mm-hmm. to see how the country was faring. Our part of the, this important part of the, of the country was faring, you know, as it pertains to um, uh, vaccinations and their feelings about the, uh, the shifting political scene and and racial justice and a lot of a lot of different things, and we did all this while riding motorcycles. We uh, can had we a talk about with Royal Enfield? Yeah, I, I want to talk about your choice of motorcycle. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. So that's <laughs> well, what I was just saying. We had a partnership with yeah. Royal Enfield. Um, why did we choose those bikes? Yeah, is that well the um, least American motorcycle? Well, but, but yeah, but okay, that 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 is part of it. Yes, I would say so. But also, I think very similar to like the communities you're going to. I mean, it's kind of the underdog. It's it's the you know it's just going to keep chugging along. Affordable. Yeah. I mean, it really makes sense. You would think those bikes yeah. would be more popular there. Right. Well, you know. Uh, Royal Enfield recently opened a their I think it's their I believe it's their headquarters in the U.S. in Milwaukee, which right. uh, may or may not be a shot across the bow to Harley from a from a young up, from an upstart. Which really, I mean, Royal Enfield produces a hell of a lot more motorcycles yeah. than Harley does every year, right? Didn't, I mean, considering didn't Harley what they have do a in problem India. Uh, with India recently, <laughs> I don't think no? so. Or like, you know, no. I oh yeah, shut, wait. Like, major well, I mean, production. Yeah, they were going to produce some. Yeah, yeah that's right. Down, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, in India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and they also uh, Harley got criticized uh, for for shipping some of their uh, production overseas. Uh, was this in twenty seventeen? Is that the incident yeah. you're talking right. about? Yeah, 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 I think yeah. also too, like their yeah. sales were like just not doing. They just weren't doing well. And well, their five hundreds and their seven fifties. Yeah, they're like a huge market yeah, yeah. that they really wanted to tap into, and they just they couldn't uh, yeah. take off or something like that. Well, so let's see. Yeah. Comes to Milwaukee. Which which <laughs> models? Yeah. Which models were you riding? We were on the Interceptor and the Continental GT. I rode the GT and Jason rode so the So these are the retro bikes, yeah. not the new Pan America or anything. This is for not retro. the Himalayan. No, no. These I mean, are the, I mean the these Himalayan. Are their, yeah. yeah, these are their, their 650s. Well, um, you know, I weigh like 200 pounds, so it, it, it uh, had enough pop with me on it, so it was great. Well, I mean, uh, we, we always snap back to the motorcycles because primarily yeah. we're a motorcycle podcast, as you know. Um, my question to you, and I think it's a perfect choice. I think for what you did, there is no other choice. Maybe a handful of British bikes you could have got away with. But mm-hmm. I think if you'd have been on a Japanese bike or even a Harley, it would have been too polarizing. I think yeah. the Enfields, if yeah. nothing else, are very, very charming bikes. My question's very simple. Did anything fall off either one? <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know what? We were greeted with, with a lot of curiosity from riders and non-riders alike who were like, yeah. what kind of bikes are those? It was funny. There was, a, um, there was an incident. We were riding through West Virginia on our way back to Pittsburgh, this beautiful uh, golden uh, sunset. It was really nice. We were overlooking this field. And this couple drives by in a pickup truck, and I'm going to do a terrible West Virginia accent here. Well, and this girl, this girl yells out the side. She goes, "What kind of box are those?" And I said, "The Royal Enfields." And she hits her boyfriend. And she goes, "See, I told you." Yeah, yeah. I told you. <laughs> that was a great, <laughs> fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there was never any hostility about them, or people were like, well, "Well, that's curious. That's bikes from India." I'm like, "Yeah." But it's been around a long time. You know, it's a company as old as Harley. You know, they make like 
a gazillion bikes a year, you know, to outproduce, I think, everybody, right? Except for like Honda. I don't know. Yeah, you guys would know you, a um, lot better. Did you see uh, actually how much moonshine you can carry on one? <laughs> I think that should be a prerequisite. You got to make a moonshine run. Well, you know what? We were we were going to try to uh, hook up with some moonshiners in Eastern Kentucky, and we just ran out of time, which means we get to go back at some point because that's definitely a story I want to do. You know, <laughs> being able be to do a deliverance and that's, story. Yeah, I mean, being able to like do the work I love and be able to ride at the same time is. This is what I I think I've been right. doing, uh, working toward my whole life. So, so I'm, I'm pretty um, happy right now. Tell us about so tell us about the journey. I mean, I'm I can only imagine what you encountered. I mean, there were a lot of people whose lifestyles really have diminished in the past few years, but you said there were a lot yeah. who were thriving as well. Well, you know what? Um, there, if uh, if the economics of the last uh, sixteen months have shown us everything, is that the uh, pandemic has been economically polarizing as well and that some people have done really well some people have managed to squirrel away money whether or not they were um you know because they were they were still employed working from home saving on transportation costs maybe not going out so you know that's you know some people came out of this uh in a lot of better uh financial shape than going into it and then you know yeah uh you know, millions of people are still out of work uh, in jobs that will never come back in a region that uh, has already been decimated by job loss and like the, all the other things I mentioned before. So there is a there's a sense of desperation that is um, is still uh, very still, apparent and it's still pervasive yeah. out there. Yeah, Carmen, I got a question yeah. for you. Sure. Do, yeah. Do you have a favorite story of somebody who reinvented themselves in their career in some really unpredictable way? Wow. Um, wow. Like, Hard-hitting journalist personally? question right there. Wow. <laughs> that is a good question. Um, y- you know, it's, uh, I don't know if it, it invented, reinvented themselves in a meaningful way to others, but maybe to himself. And I'm just going to give the random example that I can think of on the top of my head. You know, Daniel Day-Lewis is like retired from, from acting, right? Mm-hmm. You know what he's doing now? <clears throat> what? He's he's um, he's really passionate about cobbling shoes, and that's what he does. I think he he just <laughs> wow. makes shoes. You know, yeah, I heard that. The guy I that think. just can crush oh. any role. He could have a dozen Oscars if he wanted to, but he just only does the things that he loves doing. That's why he would only make movies like every four or five years because he's not going to do a role that doesn't love that doesn't mean something to him. And now he's decided that making shoes is the really important thing in his life. And it may seem odd to to us to, for him to make this you know, 180 degree turn then right. go into cobbling, but See, I thought it would make amazing that you could be so satisfied. So what, what, a, what, a, what a sense of, of self that he must have that he could do that. Carmen, let me, yeah. let me help you answer this question. Even though sure. I, I think I can lead you there because I lived in Atlanta and Atlanta was a post-industrial town. And when I lived there, what had happened was so much of the industry was gone and yeah. it had, you know, become a very cheap and affordable city to live in and from that much like after a forest fire how now that allows the the flowers to get the the light and grow Mm -hmm. there was all this art and 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 maker industry that came up out of atlanta because people could Mm -hmm. afford the space and the time and the places so i'm wondering if you're seeing a lot of that coming out of these places absolutely that's interesting that you mentioned that because um one of the the people 
that we visited for this story was a really interesting young artist named Justin Reese, and he lives in uh, Youngstown. Mm-hmm. Youngstown used to be this huge, thriving steel-producing town right right up the way from uh, from Pittsburgh, and it has just been decimated completely. There is n- next to no none of the original industry left. Nothing has come in to replace it. The housing stock is ruined to a large degree, or been leveled, or condemned. Uh, there's but there are young people who are going in there and saying it's cheap. I can do my art and live here. And that this young man that we met, Justin Reese, does this amazing ceramic work in a kiln that he built himself, which he told me that, you know, because uh, even City Hall has been gutted to Youngstown, nobody was paying attention, you know, to the to the permitting. And I think he just got like walked in and got a permit in a single day to build this, you know, fire producing dragon in his backyard. <laughs> and he's wow. like, you know what? This is one of the advantages of all that coming down that there are people who are the creative class is coming mm-hmm. in. And taking advantage of it, just the way you mentioned, um, we've seen already seen that happen in Pittsburgh in a large in a in a large number of communities. Uh, what I saw in Cincinnati uh, when I was there, was, I spent three days there on this trip, and I was really impressed with uh, some of the efforts they've done to reinvent the city. Their mural game uh, on their you know, old buildings mm-hmm. is so on point; it's amazing. There's really good mural art in Cincinnati. I couldn't believe it, and this is some place that that my uh, my media outlet covers. But to see it in the in the full light of day uh, was really impressive. It's it's a really it's a really interesting town. So, and might, so I, it, you know, even I was surprised. I might be jumping ahead. This sounds like an end of interview question, and I promise you, it's not. But I don't want to forget okay. it. Okay. I mean, ultimately, were you after making this trip? Are you optimistic or did you find it quite a depressing, pessimistic trip? And no, I know I you, it's going to be a little bit of both, but... Right. No, you know, um, I'm optimistic because, frankly, the uh, not, not having that optimism, the, the other option, there's no, there's no option for the, failure. Yeah, we, we're, still no a, we're a very critical... Uh, time in our country and a lot of that discontent like i said is is coming from the rust belt in appalachia you know coming from post-industrial america and that is there's a time where we're at a time in american america's history where we need to to figure out how to agree on a common set of facts and do it quickly otherwise the american experiment is going to be in trouble so I'm optimistic because I have to be optimistic. I met people along. There are a lot more people. There are a lot more sane people, I think, in America <laughs> than uh, irrational folks. And frankly, um, the, the the problem is that a lot of the ones that are working in a separate plane of reality, they, they yell the loudest. And some mm, of them right. have really good, have a lot of representation in, in the U.S. Congress, Senate, and uh, previously in the White House. So we've got to, well, we've got to, we got to be watch. We got to be mindful of that. Yeah, and as spoken as somebody who's not native-born American, and I want to make it clear: is I carry an American passport now. I've been through okay. the immigration process complete. And Emma, so we could describe you as post-industrial. Yes, you could. Um, but I'm very optimistic too, because I think ultimately, what makes America great are the people within mm. and the American spirit. And you can, you can define that however you want. 
And there's so many facets to the American spirit. It's robust. It is patriotic. It is hardworking. And there's an element of maverick about it. There always has been from day one. There's mm-hmm. this element of, you know, poking the law. And it's almost mischievous, but it's always been there. But that's what's going to pull us through. And a lot of, as you say, a lot of the loudest noises, it's unfortunate now, are the ones that have the microphones. But you went down and you got down with the, with the, with the common people, darling, the nitty-gritty. And it, you came out of it very optimistic. And I think that speaks volumes about what's going to happen for us in the future. And, and well, you know, go ahead. Go I was ahead. gonna say, speaking go of common it. people, I wanted to ask no one more common than me, darling. Did you meet up with any motorcycle clubs on this trip? Uh, yeah, we did. We met, um, w- uh, we started the trip by riding with uh, the Ronin MC in Pittsburgh, and I'd written about them previously. Mm-hmm. They are a co ed uh, black a club here in the Pittsburgh area. Um, really great bunch of guys and gals who I've uh, come to really like and spend, I've spent time with them a few times. So we went on this ride. It was the first time that I had ridden with anybody else since uh, before the pandemic. And it was, it, again, it was the middle of May and everybody's still, still trying to figure each other out. We're all vaccinated. We're outside. Yeah. How do we deal with each other? I remember was, at one point, they were having like a little group uh, prayer before before our ride, and everybody's locking arms. I'm like, I'm locking arms with another person who's not my partner, Lindsay. Like this is also be like unfamiliar to me, right? Um, and it was, and all of a sudden, it just it all clicked and came together. Like, okay, this is where this is who we can be again. Um, you know, it's still a little bit modified, but you know, we can we can do that. And so that to me, um, we had a great photographer with us as well as a really crack video crew. And there's this photo that, uh, photographer Justin Merriman took of me and I'm locked arm with these two got two big burly guys. And I'm like, you know, I was just had this look of glee on my face. Like, this is so cool that we're doing this now. Yes. Like we all get to ride together and then go have a meal. It was really great. And so, um, because I had that relationship with them when I was in Cincinnati, I was supposed to hook up with this other, um, uh, female MC out there. And we were, and I was riding, we were riding through the city, gathering some video shots that we needed and, and some, and some stills. And I had a flat tire, something that like wedged into my tire, looked like a knife blade. And so I was supposed to, we were supposed to meet up with this, this uh, female MC and I, and I called them up and I said, I'm so sorry, I can't make it. Uh, I have this flat and this woman uh, whose club name is Sassy. She said, tell me where you are. And I said, okay. She said, okay, I'm on my way. Uh, less than half an hour later, she shows up and she shows up with another guy who's got a flatbed, puts the bike on, nice. takes me out. And she introduces me to all these other MC members, uh, hers and some other local uh, Cincinnati MCs. And they take me to this to this club uh, and they're just having this amazing, amazing party on a Thursday night with the sun going down. It was just this phenomenal scene. And then, you know, this woman I had just met like an hour later, she's like, okay, I'm taking your bike and I'll, you know, call me in the morning and I'll tell you where, what shop I'm going to take it to. And I was like, I just, I, I have I just met you <laughs> and you're going to, I'm going to let you take this bike that Royal Edfield gave to me, by the way. <laughs> and I'm be like, and she just took it away. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I call her in the morning. She's like, it's at this shop. This is where, this is how, who's going to fix it. And this is how we're going to handle the situation. And it was like. Such magic, you know? Well, that's Such amazing that, moto magic. That's something that's cool about this moto journalism because that's something we've all experienced right. out sure. on the road. That is real biker shit. Mm-hmm. That yes. bikers yeah. take care of bikers regardless of what you're riding, where you're from. 
bikers look out for bikers. Yes. So yeah. that's a really cool experience. And since yeah. you were on the bike, I'm wondering what were what was like your favorite road or place that you discovered on a motorcycle? Um, you know, riding through West Virginia is always a treat. In fact, I was just back there yesterday. Um, I, I, from where I am in Pittsburgh, it's only like 40 miles for me to get to the West Virginia border. So I was riding around, um, West Virginia is amazing. It's, it's really beautiful. It's really, um, wrought with a lot of, uh, history. A lot of it is, um, very complicated, and recent history is very sad and, and disheartening, but it's, there's, there's, there are, there are people there who are so resilient that they will never give up trying to, um, whether it's just get by day to day or figure out a new path for West Virginia. There's just, there's those types of people there. You talk about the Maverick Americans, uh, <laughs> West Virginians are the Maverick right. Mavericks of America. You know, West Virginians, right their, their, their <laughs> whole mountain culture stems from, hiding out from tax collectors and, uh, you know, and clogging. the draft board. Yeah. And the, and the, <laughs> and clogging, the draft board. Yes. Clogging, you know? yes. They, they left, they left West, they yeah. left Virginia to become West Virginia because they didn't believe in slavery. Although you still yeah. see Confederate flags in West Virginia. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it's a really, it's, it's stunning. The, the views there are amazing. New river gorge is gorgeous. The parks. I, I recommend everybody ride through West Virginia. Oh, it's, it's, it's really, state. really nice. Yeah. So yeah. I'll tell you something that I really love about what you're doing. And, and before I say this, I just want to let everyone know postindustrial.com. That's where you can sure. go. And you go under the post-industrial explorers tab. That's where all the motorcycle stories are from this last trip. And that's where we're going to do new ones as well. And I'm going to say, especially in the last year, but before that too, I think we're all really at our wits end with the media in general <laughs> and what the media is feeding us. Not you though, Carmen, you're good. Well, it's no, everybody but that, <laughs> no, you're good. Everything's got an agenda. There's misinformation. It's divide in the country. And what I love is that you're going around on a motorcycle to areas that no one's really paying that much attention to. And you're digging for the stories about just really cool people and cool things. It's refreshing. You know, the other thing I'll, I'll give you a plug. I was reading the story uh, that when I, I can't you guys published on the 6th and uh, the writing is really fun to read it's really engaging right from the beginning um yeah it, it's it's a treat to read so yeah check i, I found it on instagram follow you guys on instagram thanks. but click through there and uh yeah I, I think the online stuff you have is great thanks we're, we're putting it together for our next print edition of the magazine as well so we're going to really showcase a lot of those photos i was writing those pieces it was funny because like i said we were shooting we were sh we're shooting a film for this as well yeah. so we had a, a two-man camera crew a photographer a producer um we had two vehicles following us and so every day was just a matter of a mass coordination and amid all that coordination i'd be sitting somewhere in the corner with my laptop being like okay i have 20 minutes i gotta write the shit <laughs> like what did we do yesterday i got some notes boom let's get out the door so um, I appreciate the fact that you like it because it was it was written under such uh, uh, haste that, that I'm glad that it came out to be readable. So I really appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was like easy to read. It was fun to read. Great. That's fun. exactly yeah, what yeah, I yeah. wanted it to be. You know, I, I don't write I, I, I don't write for motorcycle riders and I don't write for people who aren't riders. I just write for people who want to hear a good story. Right. In fact, I can I can tell you with the utmost confidence that I am the least motorcycle knowledgeable person 
who's ever been on your podcast. I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> if you had a potato on your podcast, <laughs> yeah. that potato would know more I about motorcycles. I don't know, but you had mentioned the MCs earlier. Was one of it was the Ronan MC? Yeah. Yes. Okay, if you're like an honorary member of them, you're even like way cooler than getting shot in the face no, with an RPG. I just <laughs> checked them out. I'm like, oh man, he hangs with a heavy crew. No. no, they're not a heavy crew. They're such, no, it's I'm so just funny kidding. because yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. yeah like, like the, you people. know, they go to church together. They're super, super nice. You know, some of them are, are school teachers and, and they work in IT and they just come from all these different backgrounds. Uh, one's a fireman and, you know, they, they're they're just, you know, good they're folk. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're just such a there's such a wide variety of them. And I, you know, I've always spent most of my life uh, riding, riding by myself, and I never right. sought out like riding with a bunch of other people. But I found it really enjoyable. I mean, I think, yeah, I want to do this more often. Now, not as a not 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 being an MC, but maybe you know, just get together with more friends and ride. Do now, stuff like that. forgive me because I may be confusing you with somebody else. I don't think so. Last time you were on the show, um, we talked, you were crushed because you had to abandon a Cossack in Iraq. Is that true? Because, <laughs> oh, my Ural? Yes. 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 Still, the yes. Ural. <laughs> yes. 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 Yeah. In fact, I saw it again a year later. I was uh, going to ask. Me. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was still parked in the same place. As far oh, as I know, God. it's still parked in the same place in Erbil. And the last time I saw it, all the tires were flat. It was like garbage in the car. You know, like, oh, you should bitch. you should visit mm. it on Google Maps. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> you know can, it's probably there. I know. I know. You know, I it's know. it's you can visit it anytime on Google Maps. I know. And you know, I think it's quite sweet that you're still carrying a torch for it. After all, <laughs> it's been two years, hasn't it, Liza? It's no, oh no, it's that, been four yeah. years. No, but yeah, it's two years wow. since you were on the show, and you you yeah. see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, seem equally while, crushed, yeah. Carmen. Oh <laughs> yeah, it was it was really it was really heartbreaking to, yeah. to let that thing go like that. Um, oh, I'm sorry to bring that up again, like, darling. But no, it's just something okay. I remember. You know I, I mean, in you fact, know, I, I had a I had a heavy heart when I was ride. I did a ride through West Virginia again with a new Ural. Uh, my partner Lindsay and I did it back in November of 2019. So this is before the pandemic. Right. And you know, this, this is a new Ural. It handles beautifully. It's, you know, it's, it's wonderful compared to the old one that I was riding that had no brakes or headlights or but. anything. <laughs> what, and I was like, ah, oh, I feel so bad. That thing oh, is still sitting there. Mm. God damn it. <laughs> you, might, you might need so, to reach an extraction there. So yeah, I got a guy, I've got a guy there. I can talk to him. About um, it. He'll, so he'll my, check it out for me. my question to you is uh, obviously Royal Enfield lent you these bikes. I, I'm sure right. I didn't give them to you. Um, no, no. What's in your garage right now, if anything? Oh yeah, I have my. Uh, <laughs> I have the the biggest beater. It's a 2005 Dakar um, that uh, I've had, uh, you know, in six different cities in which I've lived. And when I'm uh, overseas, uh, just recently, a friend of mine who was supposed, you know, friend was supposed to start it for me while I was away. It went dead for like six months and it broke my heart. That's another heartbreaking situation. But yeah, I have a, a 2005 uh, BMW Dakar. Right. That uh, is my everyday beater. But I just started eyeing, uh, you mentioned Triumph earlier, and I and I just had a talk with them and I, I um, to maybe do some work with them in the future. And I really got my, my, uh, my heart set on the Scrambler. I think uh, maybe uh, come the fall, I'll, I'll treat myself. We'll see. Those well, cool. you know, Triumph yeah. are very um, conscious of their image and very conscious of their place in history and yeah. promoting their motorcycles in that way. So if anybody's able to do it, you are that person. So um, 
if if you know reach out if if you're getting any resistance from them reach out and maybe i can pull a couple of strings for you but oh um, okay <laughs> no triumph generally are very very good about um getting their bikes getting the word about their bikes out to the right kind of yeah. people and i think you're you're really the right kind of person to do it i hope so yeah um i talked to them just recently about maybe doing uh, another similar kind of ride in the south come the fall where we would start in atlanta because that's where they have their right. headquarters right outside of atlanta and i wanted to ride through tennessee and uh kind of do a loop that would take me through uh you know northwestern georgia uh through tennessee come down um through mississippi through right. alabama then and then come back around uh there's a lot that that i could cover in that in like two or three weeks riding and, through there and like the enfield it's a perfect bike to do that on. I mean, right. again, repeating what I said earlier, I think if you were to do a ride like that on Harley, um, yeah. it would be a wonderful thing, but I think you risk dovetailing yourself into a certain group by riding right. a Harley. And conversely, if Especially you're... Especially with an eye patch. I mean, it's just over right. the top. I don't know if I could ever ride <laughs> and, a Harley. And then <laughs> conversely, <laughs> as, as common as they are, Japanese bikes, you know, there's still some people that harbor right. bad feelings, but a Triumph, right. everyone loves Triumphs. Yeah, that's true. You know, even the Harley yeah. guys love Triumphs because generally they got yeah. the start on them in the 60s. No, that yeah. that is a cool bike. Um, we have a friend who's looking for one right now. Oh, we do. Yeah, so we may be in competition with you for a good deal. But I just want to okay. I want to go back to just post-industrial because okay. the other thing that's cool is you you kind of just glossed over. You said it's video, it's audio, it's it's print. Let's. Just, I just want to recap for anyone who's like interested in following you and your stories. There's, uh, I guess you call it the blog that you can follow. Oh, if you go to Post Industrial Explorers, if you go to postindustrial.com yeah. and look under the tab Post Industrial Explorers, that's where I was writing every day, uh, doing my daily diary from this from this last ride, and. Um, I'm going to be doing future stories there as well, like uh, more uh, in-depth one-offs of just a particular place. That's why I've been spending a lot of time in West Virginia lately. Mm -hmm. um, I went, I've went. i been going back there the last couple of weeks uh, talking to folks in, in one town. I don't want to give away too much yet. Just I'm still in the fact-finding um, phase. But, um, you know, I like, like, again, like I love, I love the idea of taking people to places that they would never normally even think mm -hmm. to go because they've just written them off as being um, hopeless or just not worthy of their consideration. And it's, um, I, I don't, I, I certainly don't gloss over the, the hardships that, uh, that have befallen folks in, in a lot of these stories, but I'm also looking for people who could tell a different narrative than the one we always see in the national media. And I don't mean to, to treat all media as a, as a monolith because I don't believe in that. But like there's certain I noticed a lot in like the lead up to the 2016 election, there were a number of publications that would just like drop in on a small place like Johnstown, Pennsylvania and, and talk to three people in a diner and be like, OK, we got this place figured out. Like that's, yeah. that's you don't. Um, in fact, I ran into a Washington Post editor uh, a few years back and I told them that I thought that they kind of effed that up. And he said, yeah, you're right. We, we, <laughs> we did. Um, so 
Nice. Um, well, but that's the whole point. Like that's the whole point of what we do. Is like we're we're from here. I grew up in Western PA. I'm a I'm a I'm as post industrial as they come. My dad owned a machine shop for 30 years, oh, okay. and um, so like I know I know that I know the I know that game. I saw my hometown just fall to pieces, mm-hmm. and now they're trying to figure their way out, fight their way back um, through the arts and, and brew well, houses and, and people I, just I, you know bootstrapping it. I've been to your town. I was surprised by how many bridges there are. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot yeah. of bridges. Um, no, yeah. what what is more than to, any other city in America? I know, yeah. It's a lot. I never knew that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you also have you have a, a post industrial podcast as well as other podcasts mm-hmm. under this platform, and then you said you're doing video. So what are we sure. going to expect to see? So what we so we just shot a video uh, with this with uh, we we chronicled the whole the whole trip. Like I said, we had a a production vehicle following us with the two two-person camera crew and a still photographer and a producer. So we um, are partnered with a production company in New York who is looking to, uh, they're working on the video right now to mm-hmm. create what's called a sizzle reel yep. to shop it around as a potential, be it a series or a one-off um, about about this particular moment and, and uh, this particular area at this particular time in post-industrial America. We would like to turn it into a series where we would do more rides, um, both in the U.S. and abroad, mm-hmm. uh, where we combine good storytelling and motorcycles uh, for an audience that's not strictly for motorcycling. Right. You know, like I said, I'm not qualified to speak to the motorcycling community. But the um, motorcycle is I can only, the vehicle. Yeah, to the get vehicle. It's yeah. the means by which it's the means by which mm. we get folks to to pay attention to something we think is important. Yeah. And we do it in a way that's not like you would see in a news piece. So it's not just heavy. We're not battering you with facts and, and uh, you know, bad news. But we are trying to create a, 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 an authentic representation of what's happening just in our journey, in our exploration. Mm-hmm. What do we see along the way and what we seek out? Sometimes we find things that don't look so good. And sometimes we find things that are great and um, you know, we're just trying to to chronicle the American experience at this time and this this very peculiar and challenging time in our history. Yeah. And so we'd love to be able to do it again. Like I said, we want to go down south and do it again. I'd love to do it in a state by state way. And, you know, my friend who, who I'm working with is Jason Motlog and I um, both cover conflict for, for years. And uh, we'd love to be able to do it overseas again, you know, go back to Iraq and ride again, go to Afghanistan and ride. Well, it's going to be really hard to do that now. Security's real bad. Or go to places like Haiti or all the other different places we've been going to over the years. We'd love to to go back and mm-hmm. and ride bikes there. You're and, not and just tell a new story. You're yeah. not fooling us, Carmen. You just want to go back and, and get your get your euro back, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, I want to get my euro back. You're totally right. <laughs> it sounds like I, I must the, make amends yeah. for that. Yeah, you're using the motorcycle as a vehicle for an experience yeah. in a way that yes, you know, a four-wheel yeah. vehicle wouldn't do it. Well, the the thing yeah. here is, um, I think the point I'm getting to is you're you're producing a lot of content, you're finding mm-hmm. the stories, and there's we're going to be seeing more and more from you in different outlets. Yeah. And you, yeah. you, and here's the thing: the good journalist knows how to find the good stories. You know how we know he's a good journalist? He's got a Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah, only the good ones do. You know, like the real Wikipedia. So I wanted to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Thank just you to so much for having me. Tell I everyone really go to postindustrial.com where you can sign I up really for the magazine, that. sign up for the newsletter. Is it newsletter? Correct. Yep. Because yes. I know we, I get the daily digital edition. Yeah. Yeah. And like them on Facebook too. Um, cool. Um, 
and come and would you come back on the show in another couple of years, darling? I'm very, very eager to find out if you're still carrying the torch for your Ural after another I couple will. of years. <laughs> I hope to have it in the background next time. How about that? <laughs> okay, that sounds <laughs> great. All right. Too. All right, thanks, take Carmen. care. All right, thanks, Carmen. Thanks. Thank you. Good Bye. night, Dave. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a good night. So, good night. What a cool thing to do is no, to that, go ride around. Super cool. Well, I was, you know, was going to yeah. mention, we have a, uh, a friend of the garage in Appalachia land, uh, Matt Harris of 40 yeah. Cal Customs, who won the One Moto Show like four or five years ago. He's deep in that. So he's in right. Alcoa, Tennessee. And uh, anyway... Well, and it also what he's doing kind of reminds me a little bit of Ride with Norman Reedus right. in that because you're riding a bike, you're tapping into these communities. You know, you're not just a stranger pulling into town. If you're a biker, you're your family. Well, I think we all know that. I mean, yeah. if you do any writing at all, you end up in a town at some odd time at an odd place and you get to really get a well, feel for it's it. It's for one that you can identify with the other motorcyclists, but there's also the fact that even to a non-rider on a bike, you're a lot more approachable. Than you'd be if you just oh yeah showing up absolutely in a car. yeah um and and it's great that that he's telling these authentic genuine stories because I, yeah. I think that's really really necessary these days especially from these areas that are struggling right, right. yeah well the idea that maybe we could be one country again that'd be beautiful oh no we can yeah. there's there's no question of that we can and what'll bring us through it uh, the American people they themselves I mean I meant every word I said about it there's there's a resilience about America that's really the strength of this country. You think about, you know, this summer with a lot of places, people, I mean, the mask mandate's going away. Yeah, yeah. And we can actually get to know each other as people again and do the group Oh, it's going to be and that's wild. that's going strengthen the fabric. It's going to be wild. Yeah. Well, it's cool that he's going out and, yeah. and finding all these stories. But there is a story that, yeah. he, that he doesn't know yeah. about that I'm going to find out right now. Oh. This, this, the question is... Emma, what is on your bench today? Oh, okay. What's <laughs> on? You know, this. we were thinking that this might become a regular part of the show. What's on Emma's bench? What's on Emma's bench this week? On Emma's bench this can, week. Can I tell you, it reminds me of a game I used to play with Enzo when he was little. Uh, what's in Emma's diaper? No, well, it's what's in, <laughs> we used to, I invented a game called What's in Enzo's Underpants. Oh, God. Oh, God. And he'd go oh, into his sounds... bedroom and grab an item and stick it in his underpants, and then we had to guess what it was. <laughs> Poop? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. No, he broke the game when he put a, um, a, Life a an Harris? Elmo doll in there. Oh, sorry. When it, when another adult showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, much like that. What's on Emma's bench? What's on Emma's bench this week? On Emma's bench this week, I have um, 1952 Vincent Black Shadow. Monsieur Le Banc this Oh, that's week. the one that you wouldn't let me put on the top ten list. I don't know. <laughs> no, because no, I think it's a far too polarizing bike to be on okay, the top ten okay. list. So, um, there's not that that many people in the country who can work on a, a black lightning. What exactly are you doing to no, it? No, it's not a black lightning. No, sorry, I haven't got black that. shadow. Black shadow. My, yeah, I was going to say black my, my shop insurance wouldn't cover yeah. a black lightning. So, <laughs> what exactly are you doing? So, this actually is a very very nice bike. It's been part of a private collection for many years, but it hasn't it hasn't started in at least twenty years. Ooh. At least twenty years. So we're bringing it back from a period of slumber, and you you simply. You don't just, oh, yeah, put some plugs in it, change the 
fueled and off you go. You can't do that. Um, so um, I'm going through, I'm systematically cleaning out the oilways, refilling the oilways, priming the oil pump, turning it over by hand. Um, we're doing a lot of carburetor work. It came with new carburetors, which I'm not happy with. So I'm going back to its original carburetors from 1952. Yes. I have a question. And this yes. is a question in general. Yes. Because uh, this is a classic bike yes. that I'm assuming is not a daily rider, but instead is a um, like either. It, no, it's a weekend rider. But it's it's a restored bike? or No, it's original. It's original. So my question for you, for somebody who has a bike like that. Yes. What are the components? Have good insurance. <laughs> what, what are the components on a vintage classic bike that are okay to upgrade and you haven't broken any rule? You know what I mean? Oh, God, there's so many. Like uh, light bulbs and batteries yeah, and stuff I like mean, that? Generally, if you have, uh, most of these bikes were six volt. Yeah. And six volt electrics are just everyone i know from people who drive bugs to people who drive vintage buicks to the british bike crowd everyone hates six volt electric because i know you're very finicky about like you know somebody can ruin a bike or make it worth less so that's why i'm asking yeah, what yeah. are the upgrades that actually well l let's talk about, let's talk about the electrics upgrading to 12 volt is good if you're able Replacing the wiring harness with... Now, the, the wiring harness on a British bike is generally cloth-covered. And oftentimes, it's like woven black cloth. And they'll put little green or blue tracers in there just so you can make sure that it's not twisted. But so what are the tracers for? So you make sure you're not twisting the harness. Um, if you were to replace the harness with, say, a vinyl harness, it'd look hokey as hell. Aha. So you want to try and keep an original appearance appearing harness so generally the vincent it's such a valuable bike mm -hmm. i'm not treating it say as i would a bonneville so let let's take a bonneville if we can okay and i get a lot of these you know um, grandpa's bonneville and you know grandson's inherited it yeah and it hasn't run since 1965 but it's got no miles on it so i say okay here we have the bonneville so first thing i do is I throw away the wiring harness and I'll put a new wiring harness on it, genuine Lucas wiring harness, um, unless there's a really good excuse why not, I'll bin the carburetors and I'll put new carburetors oh, on so, it. So modern carburetors? No. No, Amels. Amels. Okay. I'm not talking about putting the Coonies on it. And right, right. And the new Amel Premier's, from the outside, they look like the old Amol okay. concentrics, but they're very much improved inside. They've got okay. a proper idle circuit. So we do a harness, carburetors, and then, you know, the usual suspects, cables, tires, tubes. Tires Eels. have come such a long so way. Tires, can you put any brand on, and does it have to be specific well, here's something brands or styles? Here's something interesting. You always want to try and duplicate the look of the bike original. And you can get original tires. You know, um, Avon do a tire called the Speedmaster, which is unchanged since the 1960s in design. It's improved in terms of um, compounds. 
not my favorite tire, but if you want to be super authentic, you you put them Damn, on. Can you overwhelm the old chassis with the the new compounds though? Oh yeah. So okay. you got to be careful. You know, there's nothing worse than seeing an older bike, say a Norton Commando, with really modern rubber on the original size wheels. And I mean, well, your Trident, you know, it's got 17 inches with radials on it, but it was built as a resto mod. So, and I'm just curious, if you take a, you know, classic bike and you put like um, colored LED lights on it. Yeah, I mean. Does that devalue it? Yes. Um, But in almost every case, if I'm repainting a bike. And that would be for like, even if it's like a classic chopper. Yes. That would be really tacky. Yeah, to because do, right? it's not of the time. I mean, if you're if you're restoring a custom bike from the 1960s, you know, you want to try and make sure you're bolting stuff that at least available just, in the 1960s. I just want to point out that No, I know you're throwing I was Mikey Throwing under Mikey the bus. who's not paying attention at all. <laughs> I'm look I, I get questions. <laughs> yeah, Mike, ask your question. I'm just <laughs> I'm just doing research. Um, I'll just catch up, Mikey. We just established that uh, you can pretty much replace anything except for putting um, no, I colored heard LED said, lights. Uh, don't change the rubbers. Colored, the, colored you know, LED lights on a bike will devalue lights. it. But are you making fun of me? If we, if we, if yeah, we, I'm trying to get serious here, and you're fucking around, uh, right? But if what's we, going on here? If we kind of loop back around to the Black Shadow, yeah. the Black Shadow is kind of different because number one, it's a very valuable bike. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Right now, my insurance company is calling me every day and saying, have you got rid of the Black Shadow yet? No, I haven't oh, got geez. it. Wow. No, it's that valuable. Um, I, have a, I have a question for you. Yes, yes, darling. Far away. Um, so, like, um, do Is this bike up in Scotts Valley? Do they have one of these? Have we seen one up there at that, uh, what's that, uh, coffee, where, where coffee and cars? At Canepa? Canepa, yeah. Canepa's uh, got a Black Shadow. They got a Black Shadow. Okay. All right, because I've seen it in There's person. A f- mo- ironically, most of the Black Shadows left are in California now. Well, what's, yeah. what's the one at Jameson? Mm-hmm. No, that's a, a, that's a Rapide. Rapide, yeah. Oh. That's a Series okay. C Rapide. Uh-huh. Um, what about the place down in Monterey? The Jameson? Is it, is that what you're just saying? No, I don't think. Rob Talbot has. I don't think oh, Rob's okay. got a Black no. Shadow. Okay. So here's. here's uh, yes. So I have a couple questions. Yes. W- was, this, uh, was this bike built for speed or for handling? Bit of both. Okay. I mean, the Black Shadow arguably was the R1 of its day. Well, that's mm. what I'm saying. Was, was there technology on it? Because I'm looking at it and no, I'm it's like, the okay. highest. it's the highest technology available. But what made it different? What made it so different? was really just the cost of it. And you've got to understand the world it was born into. You see, the R1 is an amazingly technologically advanced motorcycle, but it's cheap as chips. I mean, strictly speaking, any working schmo can afford one. I mean, what are they, 20 grand? 20 grand out the door. Maybe 20. Yeah, something like that. You know, so it's an affordable bike. The Black Shadow, as we know it, even though its roots go back pre-war the black shadow really 1948 to 54 right you know that england was broke it was an extremely austere country i mean england was flattened after the second world war birmingham in particular coventry london all the major cities were and nobody had any money there was rationing for there was food rationing in england right up until the late 50s early 60s and in the middle of this was born this amazing motorcycle with all this technology. It was super expensive. The closest analogy in the car world is the Duesenberg. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, Duesenbergs mm. are super exclusive, not just because they're fucking brilliant motor cars, <clears throat> but they were born in the Depression. So there was a tiny, tiny handful of people who bought them. And that became part of the legend and the allure of the car, is the who's who have bought these things when they were new. And so it is with the Vincent Black Shadow. Well, can you tell us about some of the technology on it that was... Uh Innovative then. Twin brakes on the front. Uh, can you like the like advance the timing manually? No, automatic. Uh, okay, yeah. And that yeah. was huge. Yeah. Because up to that point, you had a lever on the handlebar. That's right. And you retarded the ignition to kickstart it, yeah. so it didn't send you through the garage roof. And then you you advanced it mm-hmm. by hand. And you made the, on the old bikes, you tended to run out of hands because you had the air <laughs> lever, you had the advance and retard, <laughs> and this and this and this and this. So it yeah. did a lot of things automatically. It had twin brakes on the front, yeah. left and right, which were linked. Some of them had linked front brakes to back. Mm. It had mm. twin brakes on the on the rear, so it had a drum on either side. A mm. couple of them had twin chain drive. This one doesn't. Mm. Everything was quickly detachable. You can take the wheels off with your hands because nothing requires a wrench. Everything's got, including adjusting the chain. You know, we adjusted the chain wow. on your Harley. Mm-hmm. You can do that by hand on a Vincent. What about the suspension? So it's got front and rear suspension. Mm-hmm. Now, this one's got what's called a girdrolic fork on the front, which is, it's like a girder fork. It's, it's, it's origins, yeah, there you go. Its origins are like a Springer, mm-hmm. but it's not a Springer. It's actually a it's girder, like but it's got a hydraulic. Right. Yeah, it's like a Confederate. Yeah. Hmm. You know, the Confederate, not the Hellcat, that wild no, thing. No. The, yeah. But they it, did it looks good. just like, it looks similar, but scaled down. Right. But it had rear suspension as well. Now, that's the a main... monoshock, though, because yeah. everything had the single, or the doubles, right? Yes. Well, this has got the doubles, but it's set up like a monoshock. You know, the shocks are flat under the seat. Mm. Um, hmm. Fully adjustable. And so just, it goes on and on and on and on. And when even the hottest bikes made 30 horsepower, and I know people are sniggering right now, but... 30 horsepower was plenty of horsepower for a motorbike in the 1940s. And we know if you take off all your clothes and lie down, you can go pretty fast on them. The Vincent had 60. (laughs) The Vincent had... Yeah, Roly Free on his Black Lightning. The Vincent had double the horsepower of everything else. Um, There's a lot about the Vincent I like. There's a lot about the Vincent I don't like. They are a pain in the ass to work on. Can you tell us about the exhausts on it? Like the whole two and a one and well, it's got just a, the way that they're like the heads are turned and Right. Well, the thing is, if you think about a Harley, so what the Harley does, the front cylinder is on forwards. So the exhaust comes out the front and the intake's coming out the back. Yep. But the back cylinder's on backwards because the intake's coming out the front and the exhaust is coming out the back. And it's not that efficient. Whereas on the Vincent, they're both facing forward. So you get this glorious sweep of exhaust pipe front and rear. And the carburetors face backwards. So the front carburetor sits under the gas tank. And the back carburetor sits low under the seat. Mm. Um, Funnily enough, there was a Japanese cruiser that duplicated that. Of all things, the the, the Suzuki Intruder. Mm. Everyone kind of like disses the VS800 Intruder, but as far as cruisers go, it's an amazingly advanced cruiser, light years ahead of the Virago, because it was kind of set up like a shadow. Um, 
and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that the Vincent uh, took a page from the Model T. Yes. In that you can get it in any color you wanted as long as it was black. Not true. Okay. Because <laughs> I've only ever seen... No, it's a, well, it's a it's a black shadow. Well, no, but I've only a, ever it's seen. It's not a fucking okay. red shadow <laughs> or a green shadow. It's a fucking black shadow. Well, have you ever seen one in any color but black? Yes. It's a black shadow. That's so what I it's called know. the black. No, we've never seen a black shadow, shadow in anything black. Its yeah. shadow is black. That's Could, right. I get it in green? Wait, Could you wait, imagine wait. her rolling up and being like, "Can I just get a black you, shadow in green?" You just They'd be like a shadow's fucking just black. Simmer down there. You just hang on. They came in black, obviously. The singles came in gray, and. Um, you could also specify the Rapide, which was the slightly less performance black shadow in Chinese red, which is a real hooker red color. Hmm. And they look glorious because they didn't just paint the tank red. Every single component mm. that was black on the bike before, and that means the frame, the forks, the wheel hoob, um, everything was red. You should look one up. Scott's I, got his phone up. Look at Vincent in Chinese red. It will absolutely blow you know, your mind. I was just looking up the, the UK National Motorcycle Museum. I visited over there in West Midlands. Yes. And they had like five or six of them there, I think. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's, it was definitely a hot spot. They lost a couple of them in the fire, but they got some oh, of them. That's right, the big fire. So what did they go for? Like a, like a black shadow? A real black shadow? Yeah. Oh, no, double that. No, no, no. When they were new. What, 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 oh what God! Um, I'm terrible with 1940s like prices. So how would they compare to like the maybe cost a thousand of thousand bucks? I'm guessing. Would, would it, it be two times a Bonneville? Or four? Oh yeah, four oh, times four times a Bonneville. Oh okay. All right, Emma. We yes. know that you know a lot about bikes. Yes. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm curious about, and I'm also very curious if you know the answer. Yes. And I will be surprised if you do. Yes. So I'm not setting you up for failure here. I just had the question. Yes. What was the first motorcycle to be made in factory red? In factory red? Yeah. It would, it, wouldn't it be some sort of thing that was used for the fire department? Wait, it, it, no, not necessarily. Because, I mean, the reason that like Model T's oh. and many bikes are black, it dried faster. There's a whole assembly line thing. But oh, red know. is a very hard pigment. I'm curious. What's yeah. the first bike Indian that came in red? Indian. Indian? Yeah. No, it's got to be Indian. And I'll tell you why ah. Indian for the racing. Oh. Indian Indian pitched their selves, and it was the same reason that. Um, do you ever remember a car called a Chaparral racing car? Uh-uh. They were very famously orange, and the reason they were orange because Jim Chaparral realised that when these races were being televised, even in black and white, the orange showed up as a completely different shade, mm. and I think that's why mm. Indians painted their bikes red. Because against the boards on the board tracks, which were primarily dark, the red bikes showed up far more than the green Harleys. So I'd, I'd put money it's Indian. Do you think it had anything to do with being less likely to be hit by another vehicle on the track? Oh, God, they didn't think about things like that. <laughs> Sa- you know, safety last. Yeah, all right. Safety last. But scratch that anyway, um, so that's what's on my bench right now. Um I spent, I actually went down the workshop yesterday with the with the door closed and did probably a full day's work on it, just tinkering, um, sending oil down various holes and sucking oil out of various other holes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll probably spend another couple of days on it and I'll just tentatively see if I can coax a little bit of life out of it. And then the the... 
I would like to deliver it back to the client for the 4th of July. So would your insurance company. They called me about that. They will be (laughs) celebrating. When I get rid of that Vincent, they will be celebrating. However, it'll be very, very short-lived because it's being replaced by an aerial square four. (laughs) If you really want to make them happy, bring in a 98 shadow. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A Honda shadow. Yes. Um but yeah, they they will be celebrating for a very short time. But then the aerial's coming in, um, and hopefully that should be. I'm hoping it's going to be a short job, but it might turn into a long one. You never know. You mess around with old British bikes, you know, even the most um, simple job. Well, I'm going to hope that you do get it done fast, so you can catch up on everything and possibly come uh, with us in July. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, Liza. The the Black Shadow is part of it. I simply do not want to leave a, a motorcycle of that value in my workshop yeah. with basically the whole of the motorcycling community knowing I'm away from my workshop. So I, I see it, an aerial square four turned into a chopper. Yeah, they were quite <laughs> popular chops back in the day. Yeah. I would love one. It kind of looks like Liza's old chopper. Yeah. Big old blue bl- one. Mm-hmm. Big old block of an engine. Yeah. Um, so. Um, All right. Well, we'll have to see what you have next. Well, now you've already told us what's next. Yes. The- um, I wanted to check in real quick with Jim because you went to Hollister Hills on not the normal bike of choice. Yeah. Not. Yeah. Not is the this, normal. Is this the first rig. time you've taken the Africa Twin? Oh God. Yeah. Dirt I biking? know. Yes. Are you all smashed up, Jim? <laughs> I, I, I miss the trucks. So yeah, did not hit any trucks. Um, yeah, so uh, first time I took the well, I've taken the Africa Twin in dirt plenty, but first time I've taken it to Hollister Hills. Yeah, which can get a little more gnarly. Yeah, there. yeah. Well, most of the riding, you know, we've done on the on the well, I've done the Africa Twin. It's more fire road stuff, all uh-huh. that, with the exception of Jocelyn's class, which was pretty hardcore, right? Um, but that was great. Um, so yeah, it was kind of nice to get out on the trails and. Um, yeah, and like put it through its paces. Well, it's one of the things. It's a it's a durable skill, right? If you don't practice this stuff, you you forget about it. And I don't want the Africa Twin just to be like the touring bike, right? Well, and the fact that you went by yourself, which means you would have to pick it up. Did it yeah. fall over? Uh, no, I went okay. to great lengths not to eat shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah, because it's that that's real though. I mean, you know, and at some point it'll happen. I mean, it's happened before, but uh, yeah, luckily not. Um, and it had been a while since, well, since I went down to Carrizo Plain with Matt on that trip since mm-hmm. I'd been on the bike. Um, and only, you know, sections of that were challenging, not not a lot. So, um, and I do want to do some trips in the fall. I might go to New Mexico and Utah uh, later this year. So, you know, if you're going to do that stuff, you got to, you know, practice, right? Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. You know, I run the Shinko 704, 705s on it. Um, and they've been great, great tires. Uh and yeah, and it was crowded. You know, I got there late in the day. Um, you know, about the first half hour was was I won't say terrifying, but it was kind of anxious. You know, like getting used to the big bike again, and you know, taking traction control off and the ABS off and all that kind of stuff. Um, and you notice it because you get tired really fast. You know, you're like you're anxious, you're gripping everything really hard. You know, you're not to it. So the first, but after the first half hour, I just went on the. The easy trails over and over and over. Did you do the teeter-totter? No, I was tempted. <laughs> that, I almost got on the TT track, but there were some pe- some fast people on there. Uh, but I did do the other playground, uh, which was cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I just you know, it was like before, a mix of uh, hard pack and sand. So, you know, the sand, it gets your attention a lot, a lot more, a yeah. 500-pound motorcycle. I mean, I kind of felt well, yeah. the same way first time I took the KLR there, but 
it did great. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be intimidated doing some of the trails we do with the Africa Twin there. Yeah, you know, by the end of the day, I, I think maybe I spent two hours there. Not an awful okay. long time, but it was, you know, it was enough. I burned a bunch of calories and drank a ton of water. Um, but it got smoother and smoother. Imagine that, right? So the more I practiced, the more I relaxed. That's what you mm-hmm. realize. And, and and you start going a little faster. Um, but where you notice that you're you're improving is you're not as tired. Your arms are relaxed. Yep. You're like you're not ex- like I felt better almost at the end of the day than I did in the beginning of the day. Um, and you just do the stuff that you do on the little bike. You know, you, it's just on a bigger bike, and you do it a lot slower. You know, I, I, you don't go nearly as fast. Um, but I will say it was more fun. I think I'll take it back some more. And if I'm with some other people, you know, try some of the the more difficult trails. Uh, you just go slower. I mean, that's yeah. the, the trade-off. But it was a nice change from the from the 250. You know, it's fun to ride. It's easier, right? But it's also nice, you know, didn't have to load, unload a bike and, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And so it was fun. Yeah, it was great. The African, it did great. Well, I have a story about the KLR. Mm. Um, I wish that he could be here to tell it himself. So I'll tell it. I Because th- I think it's pretty cool. Um, so Eric from New York mm-hmm. uh, was here for, on business. And he ended up with an extra day, a day off. Cool. So he went on a twisted road and looked for a bike here in the area because he's working in Santa Cruz. And he found my KLR. I have two of them on there. And he's, like, and he's never ridden an adventure bike. He rides a uh, 900 Vulcan cruiser. Mm-hmm. And he thought, well, this would be fun. I'm in California for the first time. I'll get a little adventure bike. So he just pinged me hey can i rent your bike like today and i was like yeah i'm around cool and so he came and picked it up and i used to people knowing kind of who i am or what the recycled garage is he had no idea i'm just you know some lady with a klr he didn't even look in the garage and see all the other bikes and uh he's like well do you have a place you can recommend i need to be back by tomorrow afternoon is there like a nice ride i can do i'm like you've never (laughs) been here before Okay, so get this. Mm. So he's riding the KLR. I sent him down Highway 1 to Old Coast Highway and back up Highway 1 through Big Sur, Carmel, you know. Yep. He had an amazing time. That's great. That's cool. Nice. An amazing, like, what a great road to, like. It's beautiful, yeah, if you haven't been Like, here. 24 hours before, you weren't even planning this. And then yeah. suddenly, like, yeah, here's where you can go. He had a great time. So shout out to Eric if That's he's awesome. listening. He came by to return the bike today and like the garage is in full swing and he's just looking around like, what's going on? I'm like, you don't know <laughs> where you are, do you? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can recommend a podcast for you. I can recommend a podcast. So how, much, uh, how much was it? What, 75 bucks, 80 bucks? No, you know what? I think I have it too cheap right now. Mm. I, I forgot how Hand much. I, alley, dro- I dropped you? it way down. No, it's like 50 bucks or what something. What a deal. Wow. It's like dinner for one person. I dropped it down just because I want people to have a good experience, but mm-hmm. I want to have cheap bikes available when I go out there, so it starts right. with me, you know? True. But Bagel, do yeah. you have something new in the background? Yes. Um, what I is that? Pulled, yes, I pulled out my N-1 bike. This is the bike that I will be selling to its previous oh, owner next month. Right. Oh, that's a great story. Yep. So I decided to pull it out, dust it off. I sent her some pictures so she could see see her old bike again. And I've made arrangements to take it down there uh, the weekend before Vintage Motorcycle Days, uh, which is the start of my vacation time. So I'm going to make a very quick trip down 
to uh, Santa Rosa to, to deliver the bike. And I think I'll probably hit Santa Cruz uh, after that. Yay. And I might be around for the garage on Sunday uh, yeah. before I head back oh, up. Right. Oh, fantastic. And then, and then ride on my way to Ohio after that. Aha! Oh, you're going to yep. ride out there. That's even better. Yeah. Oh, that's so, cool. But, uh, but yeah, Christina is very, very just absolutely thrilled that she's going to get her old bike back and she's just over the moon. So I am, I'm, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to do this. For so, her. um, bagel, it looks in kind of tough shape. Well, it's, it's actually in good shape. Um, it's just, uh, the taillight lens broke, uh, when I was moving it around a couple of years ago. Are the wheels on that? I can't tell oh, if yes. the wheels are, are there? Yes, they're, they're, they're very tiny wheels. They're eight inch wheels. Oh, good so it's, Lord. It's very, it's very low to the ground. <laughs> that is tiny. Yep, and that's that's the VVB. It's it, it is an eight-inch wheeled Vespa, and that's what I rode through uh, Pakistan, two thousand kilometers, uh, five years ago. Nice. And, yep. Well, I think we have some. We got a lot of emails to catch up on. Mm. I wanted to share one. Um, this one is from Doug, and he says, "Hey, all, this is Doug from the One Show." Of Doug and Rudy. Hello, Doug of the hey, One hey. Show from Doug and Rudy. I've been meaning to write to say how much fun it was to meet the three of you. Um, I did hang uh, hang out and shooting the shit with, even though Liza did beat me at the remote control motorcycles. Ha! Ah. That was so much fun. Um, also, how happy it made me to hear your report on the show and the love you showed my bike. Thanks, Emma. It has become a regular event for me to listen in while out in my garage working on something while I have your podcast on. He says, you mentioned that you know Craig Vetter, and I was hoping you could Who? Craig Vetter. Who? (laughs) Of of hippo hand fame. Oh, that guy. Hippo hand fame. Uh, I was hoping you could help me contact him or introduce us. I have an owner's manual for my hurricane and would love to have him sign it for me. Oh, that's the easiest thing in the world. I also wanted him to know the story of my bike and that I'm educating the youth of America on some of his landmark designs in the motorcycle world. I hope to someday come down to your area and hang out again. And if not, I'll be at next year's one show again. I got to practice on those toy bikes for a rematch. Right. So here's what's going to happen. Um, you are going to grab that workshop manual, going to come down to visit us, and then uh, we'll go up to the Vettos. Exactly. That's exactly what And I that's was exactly say. what's going to happen. And you can sit down and talk to Craig for at least two hours because he loves to talk. And we'll go to the pub or something. And then <laughs> we'll come back and get you and you'll have a signed book. How about that? No. Yeah. Um, the Vettas are very, very accommodating people, and knowing the reverence which you keep one of his products in, he'll be more than happy to sign your book. Um, but yeah, do it personally, because it's all about human interaction, eh, what? And Craig is still on the road to recover free from his traumatic brain injury, and meeting new people is definitely the tonic for the troops. So I've just given you an excuse to come to California. All right. And then, um, John, you have one there. This was when we asked for people to send in bikes they thought were most misunderstood. Ooh. All right. So this is from Gavin from the UK. Hello, Gavin from the UK. Where's the UK UK, then? That's what I'm saying. It's the yuck. That is the United Kingdom, also known as Gore Blimey Land. There we go. Okay, I think the Bandit 1200 is misunderstood as people mostly think of it as a a commuter bike. Yes. I look at it as one of the best all-around bikes out there. The 600 is seen as my first big bike, cheap and cheerful, 
but the 1200 is fast even for an older bike it yes. can be tweaked and upgraded to be everything from a drag bike to a touring bike to a yes. stunt bike yes and i've seen uh even seen them done as a cafe or power scrambler yes at least in the uk i would put the 600 and 1200 in the list as one of the best bikes ever made yes at least one of the best engines anyway yes Oh, and did anyone notice that after all the suggestions for the best military bike, Liza overruled it in the end anyway, but I wouldn't have expected anything <laughs> less, LOL. Keep being great, and yes, I do ride a bandit. Yes. And, you know, absolutely right there, but I think it was at Crossroads. There's nothing misunderstood about bandits. They're basically, they're brilliant. Um, and they are. They're absolutely wonderful bikes. Um, misunderstood? No. But... Best bikes? Oh, I would say definitely. All right. And then Scott has a general question. General. A general question. We don't know anything about generals, majors, or sergeant majors, but we'll try. It's a little off topic unless you're talking about the military bikes. Yeah. Okay. This is from Ali in Washington. Hello, Ali in Washington. Hello. He says, hey there all, what happened to Moto Bandito? I miss those ads. (laughs) (laughs) Stay safe and ride hard. B-A-N-D-I-D-O. We used to do all sorts of crazy fun shit. Yeah, for people who don't know. I like um, the snap-off tools. <laughs> we used to have fun with that. We'd create these fake commercials for a company, a fake, commer- a fake company we created called Moto Bandito that made motorcycle accessories that were just ridiculous. And we just had fun with it. It was just something we did for fun. And I don't know. Like. Mo- Moto yeah, Bandito we'd, we'd, depends for those I think, longer I think rides. The, the best one is the sex toy toolkit. <laughs> yes, it has the intro to anal flare. Oh, yes. very nice. <laughs> and the urethral sound tire plugs. I don't know. Maybe maybe we need our listeners to write in with new product ideas, and we can come up with some new ads. And the winter riding gimp mask. There's we can a lot blame of good it on bits someone else too. Baby. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, there's the uh, the Moto Bandito tune upgrade for your engine, including triple underhand crap shafts. Well, you know how it all... <laughs> Mass-flowed port and lemon. You know how it all started? Um, I yeah. had had this idea. I don't know where it's... I don't know where I got the idea. I just thought it was hysterical. So many um, Harley riders yes. just think it, that that bike can do everything. And I, I also know that a lot of owners are kind of blue-collar, hard, hard workers. And I thought... We need to create the lumber overhead lumber rack for Harleys. Ooh. For the contractors. <laughs> Perfect. And that, that was the first Moto Bandito we recorded with Lucas. That's great. The Moto Bandito overhead lumber rack for Harleys. I was hauling mulch on my GSA last week. <laughs> there you go. And it's just, I've always had that visual, you know. Um, Mike has one. This was going back to the question when we were talking about what should the modern G.I. Joe motorcycle be? Oh, good Oh. Uh, yeah, this one's, uh, well, I don't know who it's from, Jude? KLR? No, it's G.I. Joe. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's this, from G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah, that's what oh. it looks like. Wow. Okay. Um, well, that's wow. just the title, G.I. Joe. Yeah, it's about okay. the G.I. Joe bike. Yeah. What should be the perfect G.I. Joe bike? A Pan America with an even wider headlight, which has mini heat-seeking missiles, airless tires, uh, HUD helmet with thermal imaging, and to top it off, a mortar where the passenger seat would be. There you go. The only thing that is missing from that bike is the 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 mural of Chuck Norris in relief on the gas tank. <laughs> I'm gonna agree though because I think well on the G. Chuck G. Norris GI Joe being the uh, all American toy. Yes, 
that it should be a Harley. And I I never thought the Pan America would be great for that. I think you're you're onto it. Now, are, is is Harley actually considering a military version of the Pan America? Uh, well, Harley will consider With Chuck Norris anything. in first person, leaving yes. himself on you. Yes. Hmm. You know, I think actually Harley. Now, bear with me on this. For all their adventure bikes from this point forward, I think they should dispense putting Harley on the tank, and I think they should just put Mattel on the gas tank. Because it is. I mean, it's toys for grown-ups. So if if Chuck Norris peed in the airbox of a a Harley, would it make it go stronger? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another 20 horsepower right there. You You can smile all you want, Bagel. There is no wheels on that scooter behind you. I'm telling yes, you, I keep. No, there isn't. I can see from here. There's they're, no they're wheels tiny. on it. They're they're about. They're, no, they're there's about, no look. That big. There's, she's right. There's no wheels. There's no Emma. wheels it's on floating. it at all. Emma. Yes. Chuck Here, Norris I'll can pee you. on the airbag or on the air filter <laughs> and tell you that rats didn't do it. Yeah. No. Chuck <laughs> Norris can do anything he wants because he's and tough. He'll sell you the he's bike. Tough. There, Emma. Is that is that. Better? Does that prove it to you? Oh, no, there's no wheels on that bike at all. That was Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those are cardboard wheels. I can't believe, Bagel, that you're selling somebody a bike, a scooter with cardboard wheels. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. All right, Emma. You got an email? Well, here, you know, right? it needs a little bit of work. Okay, I have um, an email here from Carlos. However, um, let's have a look. Hey there. I was wondering if you guys could interview Dell of Dell Boy's Garage. This isn't something I'm familiar with. Aha, there you go. I would also be interested to know Emma's thoughts on him and his channel. Well, I haven't got many so far, Carlos, but I will find out more for you. And if she has thoughts of doing something similar, well, I could. Um, Depends whether he's cool. I mean, if he's cool, I like doing similar things if he's cool. But if he's a total wanker, I don't want to. Um... I watched his latest restoration project on the Triumph Thunderbird TT Legend, which are very nice bikes. And it taught me so much as someone who doesn't have a garage nor is able to get a motorcycle to strip down, restore and rebuild as a learning exercise. I need to dip into what this guy is doing because if it's kind of entry-level stuff, um, that'd be great. And, and I wanted to say, um, we get a lot of emails uh, asking us about certain YouTube channels. And they're ones that maybe I haven't watched yet. Uh, Del Boy uh, is, uh, Del Boy's Garage is one we get a lot of mentions. And then the f- there's a lot of people uh, mention Itchy Boots. Do you follow Itchy Boots, Jim? I follow Itchy, yeah. You follow Itchy. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a woman who's riding around the world. She's great. And she does all the filming and everything. Yeah. <laughs> pretty high um, um, uh, production. Good production values, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Itchy Boots is a great one. Um, so maybe you need to check out... Everride. I Delta. love Everride. Do you remember, Liza, before the pandemic, that Henry Cole's agent reached out and wanted us to interview him? Do you remember that? Yes, we're not supposed to say that, but yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because it perhaps she could reach out again. Because I would like to talk to Henry Cole. You want to know a secret? What? Promise not to tell anyone? Go on. It's just us, Liza. I got a cell phone number. Oh, perhaps I, we should call him. They set us up for the call and then canceled it, and I kept the number. Ooh! That doesn't mean we can't call right now. Right now. <laughs> so, right now in the UK, it is... Now, that could be an interesting interview. We don't tell him. One forty-five in the morning. Call no, call, call him now. That could be a whole new thing. Let's, let's get God. people's phone numbers and start... 
calling him. Ooh, that's a good idea. Let's call Kenny yes, Roberts. is this um, Valentino? Hi, this is Eliza. <laughs> is your refrigerator running? <laughs> you may not want to call him this year, but that's another story. Um, but I wanted to give a shout out to a channel that I have been watching and have thoroughly enjoyed some videos released recently. I told a bunch of you today. What's this, Spankers Weekly? <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's not Cake Farts, your favorite ah, channel. Oh, <laughs> oh my. I love them Cake Farts. Pop a pimper, um, maybe a pipple popper person? No. Oh, jeez, you guys are out of control. <laughs> so I've been watching the Rocky Mountain ATV oh, yeah, MC channel. channel. Great channel. Hmm. So if you don't know, they sell um, ATV parts online, but they have these um, these guys who they send out on challenges. And the one I've watched, it was an eight eight episode series uh this week was um it was uh they could spend a thousand dollars on a used bike okay and it they had to um ready it for a thousand mile adventure ride mostly off-road were they allowed to spend money on fixing it up or so things they have around the shop they can use so bash plates and side you know, side bags and stuff like that. They were able to outfit and hand guards, that kind of stuff. But they had to get a bike. So, Emma, I'm just curious if you were faced with this challenge, a thousand dollar bike. Bloody hell! What do you think you would pick up? Oh God, I'm going to be. What very... kind of riding though? A mostly, I mean, dirt, okay, off road, some single track. I mean, it was hardcore. They're very good riders. Um, I'm going to be very, very boring. Um. Ninja 500 and put dirt tires on it. Well, funnily enough, so uh, some of the guys chose some older uh, enduro bikes. Right. Um, but one chose a Ninja 250. One had a... That's a little underpowered. One had a KZ 440 That's cruiser. That's a bit more like it. And the bike that did best of all of them... Right. ...was a GS 650. Yeah. See, it's these... Yeah kind of mid-80s middleweights they're big roomy bikes they're tough Mm -hmm. as old boots and they're a bit porky because bikes were back then but if you've got the wherewithal to lug them around yeah let's have a look at this thing oh yeah 900 bucks what is it interceptor vtr 250 yeah small sport bike God, that's ugly, isn't it? Oh, my <laughs> God. That thing has been beaten with the ugly stick. Um, guys, not far away, though. And it's only $900. So I have a friend of mine who has a thing called Torture Test Magazine. So he was on this ride. Yeah. Yeah, I've ridden with him twice. Yeah. So um, He's, he's an incredible rider. So I was with him. He rode a... Mm-hmm. We were... All of us were... I was on my KLR. Everybody else was on KTMs and big, big bikes. He rode a DR200. Yeah. And just like tore up. And then he went out. He's riding a XR600 now. And he goes out and runs against people with modern bikes. Yeah. He's amazing. They needed a replacement rider because one of the guys got injured yeah. but had his bike prep. So yep. they called him to come he's fill in. A great guy. And he's a he's a vet. Yeah. He's in the military. Cool. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah. Rocky Mountain ADV MC. And the series is called uh, $1,000 Motorcycles versus 1,000 ADV Miles. And I really enjoyed it. That is not dissimilar to Dirtbag. Yeah. In concept. Yeah. But now I want to check out John, his his channel. There's so many things to discover. Because motorbikes, that's why. 
Is anyone else gone down or, fo- or following anyone on YouTube? Any good video series that you want to give a plug? I like the Fortnite stuff. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah. Um, talking about series. Yeah. Um, am I allowed to talk about the continuing saga of my restroom? Oh, oh yes. We get back to Please, that. actually, perfect timing. Oh, yeah. Let's finish up with that. So, what's going on with the Mototown <laughs> Visitor? Right. So the um. The continuing saga of the restroom, so to bring you up to speed without boring you, is when I inherited oh, Motown. Oh, before I, you go on, I just want to see, Mike, if I give you one guess, what unwanted visitor visited her bathroom at Motown? You want to take a guess? Um, I mean, snakes come up toilets, uh, and if it's knowing you, it's either a possum or a rat. <laughs> okay, so... Or Lamb Vindaloo. Um, yeah, Lamb Windy Pooh. So, um... I inherited um, a restroom of my very own with Mototown. Very excited about it. And I'm guessing somebody took a massive dump in 1988. He said, don't go in there for a while. Oh, and I think I while, took a massive one like yeah, three days and ago. Then, and then a, that was 20 years ago. And that's when I inherited it. So I went in there and jet washed everything. And it was great. And it's Spartan, but it's very nice. But it had a urinal in it. And I didn't want to smash the urinal up and take it out because it's quite disgusting. So I bought a wine rack and I stuck the <laughs> wine rack over the urinal. Oh, nice. And it, wor- it works really well. So I have the only restroom with a wine rack in it. And, you know, I'm hoping people will leave me wine, but they don't. Anyway, so I go into work last Thursday and I'm, you know, it's this. I, I like coffee in the morning and mid-morning comes along and I'm, you know, I'm, I've got to go, Emma's got to go pee. And so I always take my telephone in there and I check all my emails in there. So I'm sitting quite blissfully on the pot looking at my phone and I look down at my feet and there's a fucking huge snake. Just, <laughs> just and we're not talking, we're not talking about a small snake here. So this thing was... Um, and I measured him. He's three and a half feet long. It's probably a gopher oh. snake. It was a California king snake. Okay. And he wasn't massive around because king snakes aren't like fast. They're kind of lean. Um, quite harmless, but he did have a murderous look in his eye. <laughs> so you, you just swim out of urinal, you'd be pretty murderous <laughs> too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was extremely unhappy about this. So... Um, I ran out of the restroom, assembling myself as I ran out of the restroom. <laughs> basically, I was basically screaming, waving my hands above my head. And there's the guy who has the unit next to me, he repairs cars. And he's like, oh, what's wrong, Emma? I said, you need to go in the restroom. There's Godzilla's in there. And he goes around. He's no better than me. He sticks his head around the door and he goes, oh, fucking hell. And he runs, he runs away. He just runs away. Um and he's like, call animal control as he's disappearing down the street. And he didn't come back till the afternoon. So I must have put the willies up him. So I call animal control and there's no answer. So I leave oh, a message. And, it, you know, I, mean, I will admit it was quite hysterical. There was blubbering. Next and, time, just call me. Yeah, no, I would. But, I, you know, I left. They were impressed enough that they called me back after 10 minutes because they were that concerned about my welfare. (laughs) Anyway, um, I said, look, snake in the bathroom. What do you have to say about that? And she said, well, would you describe it? I said, it's kind of long and thin. And she said, 
<laughs> Lawrence and, Dickey. And he, and he, so we described the characteristics. She says, oh, yeah, it's a California king snake, and he's, he's quite harmless, and he's probably more scared of you than you are of him. And I said, that is <laughs> not possible. <laughs> um, Does this have the, like, red and black? No, it's black and white. Black and white, okay. Black, it's kind of brown and black and white. Yeah. Um, but she said, look, he's looking for warmth. Um, so just leave the door open. And he, as you said, Mike, he probably came up through the plumbing. Mm. He came up through the disused urinal out from my <laughs> wine rack and slithered <laughs> out. Um, and he's just looking for warmth. So I left the door open and it was one of those days that obviously the tiles in my bathroom floor are colder than outside. So he slithered off outside. And so I posted this on um, Instagram and in one of my more inspired bits of prose. Hang on, let me get my phone. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm not going to play a video, so Liza... Where is it? Oh, here we go. I want to make sure that I read it right. So I posted it on Instagram. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, it is Emma Booten 1962 And I put... So I... Put a picture of my snake. Wait, 1962, because that's the year you got your AARP card? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, R66TAT said, nice exclamation point. No mice now. And I replied, <laughs> and I replied at 66TAT, no contents of my bowel either when I saw the brute, which was like very appropriate. I mean... It's quite scary when you're sitting down on the on the toilet and a snake oh. <laughs> comes out at you. It's not really what best, you expect. The best place to be if you're going to shit yourself, though. Well, <laughs> you would have thought. Um, well, the biggest disappointment, I feel, was the mechanic next door to me. I thought he was made, <laughs> I thought he was made of stern stuff. You call stuff. yourself a man? Yeah, he was, he was gone. He was, he, and he just stuck his head around the corner. He goes, oh, my God. And he was gone. Well, you know what? I appreciate that he left as opposed to many people who get out a shovel or a gun to kill him, and they are harmless. So I'm glad you guys well, you know, didn't do that. And actually, on a more serious note, um, I had a lovely talk with a girl from Animal Control, and she was obviously very, very young and very enthusiastic. And she said, thank you for not killing it because you know he's harmless mm -hmm. and i said you know california is beautiful and you can insert the state you're in right now is beautiful and we're just stewards here yeah and we need to be yeah. stewards of the the land that we live in including <coughs> being respectful of all the wildlife within and, I mean, we're really encroaching on them, particularly in the town that I live in, in Marina. It's an odd little town because it's kind of dense, but it's surrounded by countryside. So you get a lot of wild animals just roaming around at night. Do we get mountain lions down here? Yeah. Y'all like, yeah. ought to live in Boulder Creek. That's a whole other ballgame up there. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, mountain that, lion central. that is rural, yeah. so you expect it. But if you're in downtown Marina, you're kind of – it's – Almost like a little, architecturally, it's almost like a little San Jose. It's strip malls, it's concrete. It's it's very urban on a small scale. And just to see a coyote or a mountain lion just wandering around. I will tell you, because um, here in Santa Cruz, we get seagulls. An interesting fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but they're all named Stephen. 
Really? Yeah. <laughs> so if you see a seagull and you want to say hi, Steve. just know his name is Steven. Um, I wanted to talk real quick uh, as we're wrapping up uh, our calendars. There's yeah. a lot of stuff happening. Getting <clears throat> uh, so I want to make sure everyone knows. Um, in not this coming in two weekends. Yes. Bikes and Boards. Yes. Clay Murphy's event. Uh, that's going to be happening actually a couple different places here but he's doing a, a biker event um, it's mostly going to be at Image Cyclery yes here in town and I think I might drag the Trident out for that because it's kind of a little impromptu show when was the last time we had a bike show right in Santa Cruz proper yeah. not and then um, oh coming uh, July 9th 10th 11th is Moto America. Moto America at Laguna yeah. Seca. Bagger races. Yeah, it'll be fun. Come see the yeah, baggers. I did aren't they trying to do like a hill climb? Yeah. I think uh, Wayne's adding all sorts of yep. cool stuff. Uh make sure you put that on your calendar, Mike. Because uh the weekend after that, back to Laguna Seca, it's the Arma races. Right. Mm-hmm. The cool. uh, HRMA. Yeah. Yep. And we I went last time, and that was fun because Unlike Moto America, where it's you know you can only go in certain areas and you know no the big armor business. guys you go anywhere armor guys you can go anywhere talk to anyone you can walk through the garages everybody wants to talk, but you had vintage bikes and that's where I met Dave Roper Isle of Man winner, mm-hmm. um, but also Yuri Berrigan was racing his Kramer. I mean you're gonna have a little bit of everything, so that's really exciting. And then the weekend after that is Vintage Days. Woo-hoo. In Ohio, that some of us will be at. Yes. You you forgot. Yes. The most important event of all. Well, then the weekend after that. Right. Is Emma's grand opening. August the 1st. Yep. Actually, two weekends after that. Two weekends Mm -hmm. after that. So mark your calendars. Actually, no, it is the weekend after. Right. Vintage Day is 24th through 25th. On mm. August 1st. August 1st, um, we're going to have an open day. What time does the event start? Well, probably about 12 o'clock. It's pretty loose. It's on a Sunday. So I'm just going to throw this out now. Jim, hopefully you can help me remember. We should say maybe if uh, we'll do a group ride down there and meet here at the garage around 1030. Right. Or whenever Emma thinks we should all arrive. No, yeah. and then, you know, whenever you want. We'll arrive at 1030, gather, and then yeah. we'll go down yeah. at 11. And, and then, ride, yeah. ride the, maybe the slow, maybe go uh, um, freedom or, sure. yeah, or uh, what's the slough? Elkhorn slough. Elkhorn right. slough. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm going to fire up the barbecue, so there's going to be food, there's going to be, um, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs, all that kind of stuff. No alcoholic beverages, because drinking alcohol and riding motorbikes doesn't mix, as all grown-ups know, but there'll be plenty of nice things to drink and little tidbits, and we have live band playing. And um, it's going to be jolly good fun. Well, and there's one other event on the calendar that I didn't even mention, because this only involves one of the people here. But John is taking a little road trip. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I am going on Liza's KLR, her second KLR, to yeah. uh, um, to Custer, South Dakota. Custer, South Dakota. So. Nice. 
Yes, Jim. Going to, you know that he's going to have a good time. Yeah, I'm going a oh, long way yeah. too. Slabbing on that KLR sounds no. like a hoot. <laughs> 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 Wish I could do it. <laughs> no, I'm going to go out 50, the loneliest road in America. Oh, There's nice. Four mountain ranges. <laughs> I told him he should go the way we came back and go up to Idaho. That's what I'm going to do. And go, to go right up Evil Knievel's ramp. And well, yeah, this time of year you got to follow the, the weather. Tower. You got to go where you're not going to melt. All that or, stuff. Or be rained on. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so jealous that you're gonna be there. It's gonna be. If anybody an awesome wants to ride with me to Custer, the look. only advice that Jim is gonna give you mm-hmm. is watch out for them cows. Yeah, watch out for the cows. <laughs> the only advice I'll give you is, is spend as much time in uh, in the Black Hills and riding around Custer as you can. Yeah. It's magical. Yeah. It is a great place. I've never done a long this long of a solo ride. So. Neither neither has the KLR. <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. Well, Emma to. assures us she's prepared it. No, I mean, that is um, another snip from Mototown. So um, you got the got to the end of the parking lot, so you covered warranty. <laughs> and, you know, if it makes it out of the parking lot without anything falls off, you're golden. No, it's a great little bike. It's a one-owner bike. It's had such an easy life. Um, you probably do an oil chop before you leave, just because he's going to be doing so many damn miles on it. So you might as well do it on fresh oil. Probably want to do it when I get there, too. Yeah. And John, um, don't carry the spare gas for that loneliest road in plastic bags. That's, yeah, <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> so a lot coming up on the calendar. I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. Um, Mike, I wanted to say thank you for showing up in person. It's great to see you yeah. in person. Um, I'd forgotten how handsome he was. Me too. It, yes. It's time to wrap up. And I thought that we could, uh, in, in honor of our friends at Cleveland Moto, that Mike, you could Who? share a joke. Do you want me to tell you the one I told you before? Yes. Go ahead. Which one? Go the ahead. grandpa Let's, one? Go ahead. All right, I, I like. Oh the, God, no! Uh, okay, wait a go, minute! Wait okay, a minute ready? now! All right, listen. Here's, here, here, here we the go. Kids. If you you're offended, <laughs> you, can, you can turn. You it guys off already right now. heard this one, yeah, but I, I'll say it anyway. Um, okay, this guy's riding up the road, right? And he sees lights behind him, and he, he notices he's getting pulled over by a cop. So he's he's like, "All right, fuck it, pull over." Next thing you know, the cop walks up and says, "Sir, license and registration." Uh, and the cop looks in the window and he sees in the passenger seat a bunch of uh, stuff, weird shit, you know, knives, rope. Gas can, all types of shit. So, it, you know, he goes to grab his gun. He says, sir, I'm going to need you to step out of the car. The guy puts his hands up and says, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a performer. I'm a performer. And he's like, I need you to step out. So he steps out, grabs a couple knives, and starts juggling them. So the cops, you know, still has his gun on him, says, you know, I don't, uh, <clears throat> you know. He's like, well, wait, hold on. Let me, let me just show you one more trick. So he grabs a unicycle, starts riding the thing around his car, you know, while he's juggling the knives. Uh, so now the cops, you know, actually interested, uh, puts a gun away and stands back, and 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 uh, the guy's like, um, "Wait, I, I'll show you the grand finale." So he grabs a gas can, starts blowing fire, juggling knives, and uh, riding the unicycle around the car. Uh, at the same time, two other guys driving up the freeway uh, look over at the side and see, you know, the cops standing there and this guy doing all these tricks around the car. And he, uh, one guy looks at the other guy and says, "Bam." So glad I stopped drinking. Look at the DWI checkpoints. <laughs> no curses. I think I like the gra- I, think I like better. that one. You like the grandpa Grandpa's one better? better. Oh, I can man. give you the grandpa oh, one. No. Come on. Give it a grandpa. No, let's save yeah. it. Let's save it. <laughs> All right. Because we got a joke teller now, too. You hear we that, do. Chris Smith? <laughs> um, 
I think that wraps it up. Big thanks to uh, Carmen Gentile for coming on here. What a cool yeah, guy, right? Cool. Super cool guy. Yeah. He's doing cool stuff and mm-hmm. um, motorbike no, stuff. Definitely. And uh, I can't can't give away anything, but I did mention I've been staying in touch with him and working on him about a possible thing I can't talk about. Yeah, wait, but, wait, wait, wait. You're, um, you're gonna. I'll tell you guys you're, in the room. It's a little too. You're gonna so. be doing things with Carmen's thingy. I, I, I hope. I hope. To be that'll be a first doing a project with Carmen. Let's put it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Does it it involve an extraction? (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Big thanks again to our sponsor, fixmyhog.com. Don't forget to go there and get your membership. I like how you look at me when you say that. Three dollars. Three dollars. No, seriously, Mike, you should check that out. Yeah, I will. So you'll give the review. I also next want time. to give a quick shout out yeah. to whoever. So Jim and I were at Hollister a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and I lost my license plate and yeah. I lost my tool bag, <laughs> and I figured they were gone. So called back in, and somebody turned them in. So I want hey. I want to shout That's out cool. to whoever turned those in, but also to the great Rangers that are at Hollister. They were super friendly and helpful. And uh, I wrote Unless down there you have a spark up. arrestor. If you don't have a spark arrestor, <laughs> you know, it's a different story. <laughs> I I should imagine when you apply for a job to be a ranger at Hollister Hills, having just an unlimited amount of patience mm-hmm. is probably yep. one of the prerequisites. Especially with quad riders. Yeah. They have no patience there. They <laughs> yes. cracked down on They were searching quad dudes last they time. Should, they should, man. Shook them down. Oh. Freaking quad guys. <laughs> And don't forget to go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com You'll find the links to everything there Check out our videos Um, If you want to go old school And go back in time When Mike was making all the videos Mike, you used to do a lot of fun stuff I still am I just haven't done I mean, I've got a new GoPro You know, we were reminiscing We were reminiscing, Mike, earlier About when the Misfits found me In the Jameson Museum and who was there? Because Marie was there. Yeah. And you were there, weren't you? You were yeah. there certainly for the yeah. second time. Did exactly. I film it? You filmed the second time because that's when yeah. you were sitting on everything and Neil Jameson was going, who's yeah. this guy? I remember the popcorn, the, yeah. the, the, the two-stroke, and you rolled it out in the rain and we're like, what the fuck? And you're just like, oh, yeah, no, we'll take it out. And just roll the bike out. And, Nasty and little popcorn. It was, like, and shit. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and Jim was there for the first time. I know. I noticed your Zach. your toes and your pearls. Yes, Me and Zach. And Zach. <laughs> All those years ago. How about that? Now, and that yes. media channel lies that we need to have that one of your face when you were falling over in the AT. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's, if you got it on film, I we need the video it. for sure, too. Because it was yeah. like, ah! Well, we can go in the other room. I can show you. Um, and don't forget to send us your emails. RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. We love them. Yep, I got a stack. I'm still trying to catch up on them, but uh, keep keep bringing them in. And also, don't forget, we love visitors. So come and see us at the garage. Yeah, I think we on. have some visitors coming soon. Oh, great. On that note, I think we're ready to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, especially our Patreon subscribers. Who we the love you the best most. Best of the best. No, well, we love all our listeners. We love them all. Love them long time. Yep, <laughs> we do love them long time for only $10. However... <laughs> Um, Patreon subscribers, you are the cream of the cream. Ooh. They're going to pay for your knees. I have a feeling that's what you left behind when you saw that snake. That was the poop of the poop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're ready to get out of here. Thanks, everyone. This is Liza. Uh, Scott. John. <laughs> Emma Darling. Naked Jim, son. Mike. Mike, three times. Bagel. And we're out of here. Cool. Right. Cool. Cool.